little tribe of reality as our friend Mari, aka Artist Seer, likes to greet us over in the chats. And welcome everyone to your Wednesday night party, vibrant. It is Sagittarius season and we are going to get into the herbs of it. So first of all, I just got to say hi to all my peeps. What's up, Cozy Crone, Skywalk Trice, <laughs> cool name, Janie B. Hello, sweetie. <laughs> Dominique, good to see everybody. Thank you all for being here. Please share the stream with anybody that you think would like it or maybe like some of your uh, Telegram groups, things of that nature. It really does help out. And yo, so we got Slick Dissident, of course, in the house, my main man, co-pilot. Best bud, <laughs> Michelle and Mario are here, and Kyle from Tippet Canoe Herbs. All of these folks are legends. We are, by popular demand, going to be covering the. I looks like we're everybody's on board to do a series for the next ten months after this, <laughs> where we cover every set, sign in the herbs and the doctrine of signatures, aka the shapes, patterns, geometries, smells, uh, correlations, and syncretism of these beautiful herbs. Plants, mushrooms, all of their many, many, I uh, won't even want to say qualities, but virtues, as Kyle likes to say. The many virtues of these wonderful, wonderful gifts that the creator has bestowed upon us in this divine realm. We're going to cover them off uh, one sign at a time. And if you missed last time, a month ago, we did the Scorpio herbs and now we're jumping into Sagittarius. Kind of cool for me to be uh, doing, to start with Scorpio as we did, because that's like we're... <laughs> I have a lot going on in my eighth house, uh, being that my son is there and it's where my North Node is at and all kinds of fun stuff. So to me, that's a great place to start. We'll go Scorpio, Sagittarius and along down the line. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> How's everyone been? Thanks for joining me tonight. Good evening. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. Another lovely Wednesday. Hey, everyone. It's nice to be here. Can we give a round of congratulations on Michelle for starting her amazing podcast since we last had her on? Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. It's been a long time coming. I, You guys are all have all inspired me in so many ways. This guy has too a lot. And yeah, it's been something I wanted to do for so long. And I, it feels like it's just like the universe. Everything is telling me do this now. Do this now. I kept getting that message. And then finally, here we are. So. Yeah, it's going good. We're going to have Kyle on next week, too. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then after that, who's after that? Oh, I don't know. This guy named Chance. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I want to get into your sound healing and all the things you know about it. And when you did your presentation with Ben, I was just like, dude, yes. It was like the first time I'd seen you really hone in and just like explain it in a presentation forum. And I'm just like, dude, your knowledge is so vast. It's really awesome. So looking forward to that too. Thank you, Michelle. I can't wait. And yeah, I've learned a lot since then. So it'll be fun to update with and have new anecdotes and new client experiences and all of the above. Sweet. Kyle, though, what's up, my brother? I have to tell you, since we've become friends, I think I've used at least one, if not three to five Typical new herb products, whether it's the mostly tinctures, sometimes hitting up the magnesium spray, the amazingly wonderful like salves you have, and also incenses. So all that and more, I got to say thank you so much for providing the service that you do. Your stuff is incredibly, incredibly yummy in every way. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. It's a, you really honor me and, uh, 
It's a great, uh, it's great to be here again on Wednesday night, hanging out with all our internet friends and master decoders and um, talking about plants and, you know, uh, building our friendship up some more. So thank you so much for inviting us back. And, you know, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite things in the whole world to talk about plants. And, you know, maybe if I, if we had it, if I could really have it my way, we would all get together one day and be in a field and just do an herb walk or something like that. You know, maybe we'll have to wait till the other side for that. But um, for the meantime, uh, I don't see got, why we got to wait that long. I think we can do for it. For the meantime, we got, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Who knows? But um, <laughs> it's awesome to be here. And I am also a huge fan of Michelle's Healing Home podcast so far. Um, so yeah, make sure you check that out if you haven't checked it out yet and, uh, check it out next week too. My friend, you just had uh, my friend Elise on, um, I, I have yet to listen to that. I've been working really hard lately. So my wife and I are going to listen to that together cause we love family fungi and, um, all the people involved in that. Both I'm glad you say that they're going to be the next week vibrant guests, both, uh, Elise and James. No way. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, Sweet. we're getting very bear adjacent. I'm seeing bear names in the chat yeah. and everything. I don't know what's going on. Cool. I, there's this guy named Owen Benjamin. I can't stop listening to his dreams. I think I'm, I think I'm getting furry. <laughs> yeah, well, you come. We, uh, you could super chat chance. You could pay the Opus Day away, maybe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> pay the Unum Sanctum away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah chance, you gotta, what, tell me again, what's your bear name? Oh, God, Tiger Bear. That's it, God, Tiger Bear. Unofficial, though. I haven't sent in money to to verify myself. <laughs> I'm going to, though. Yeah, I'm working on the letter. It's going to be like a big one. Nice. You know, uh, I just want to mention that I had a great time the last time we did this. That was such a great show. Um, and if anybody missed the last one on Scorpio, I highly recommend they go back and dig that out. And I definitely think that the uh, the chat participation uh, is really gratifying. I just uh, I remember that last show we did, like there was so much feedback coming through with the chat. And yeah, we just got a, a, a bomb community. So I, I just want to recommend if you do go back to watch the old the last show, Definitely keep that chat, your eyes in the chat, because there's a lot of dank info going around. Very dank info. Yes, I can affirm that. I'm pretty stoked about this one, too. Like Sagittarius, man, I see the farsighted. This is a really cool sign. And in terms of like being a little bit special to me, the channel Interverse as a channel is a Sagittarius, as is Michelle's Healing Home. Sort of. The podcast is a Sagittarius. I guess you already have the YouTube channel, but we can count it, right? Uh, yes, we can count it because it was totally intentional for me to do that. I was like, I have to start this on the first day of Sagittarius and just go with it. I love that energy, that radiance, like moving into like from the darkness of Scorpio. It just feels like you're like moving upward when when Sagittarius comes in. And I've said this before, uh, Sagittarius to me just really feels like the most human sign of them all for a lot of different reasons. So whenever it comes around, I'm just reminded of like uh, our humanity and our warmth and our struggle, the human condition, all of that stuff. That's fire signs. <laughs> yeah. You know, like after John McHugh, uh, we go back and look at 
all the signs a little differently, including Ares, which was a hired worker to the Sumerians. So we have a human on the Zodiac there as well. Yeah, pretty cool exactly. stuff. So I'm going to pull up Kyle's slides and uh, we'll start, you know, just talking about what you guys think about Sagittarius as a season. You know, one of the great things about this series we're kicking off or continuing, I should say, is that, you know, one of many uh, ways to bone up your knowledge about astrology, which is one of the most important studies, in my opinion, a human being could take on because it's really showing you the pattern of nature. But you guys want to take it away and tell us about Sagittarius season. Yeah, I just want to um, uh, carry over what your thought there, too. You know, <clears throat> when it comes to like uh, accelerating your studies with herbs and stuff like that, especially a lot of if a lot of people here are interested in learning about herbs, and I guess you are. Um, one of the things that when I started learning about herbs, I got really, I was like, oh my God, I want to learn every single herb. Look at this, look at this, look at that. And one of my first teachers gave me a really good piece of advice. And that was learn one herb very well in and out throughout the week, you know? So you make tea with it, you study it, you drink, you know, you, you put it under your pillow, you sleep you meditate with it, all these things. And by the end of the year, you have a really strong repertory of 52 herbs. Now, as an herbalist, like that has, you know, I, that sees um, clients and does a lot of work with, you know, between mediating between herbs and people, I probably use about 52 herbs, even though I have at my disposal over 200. So, it's not a matter of learning every single herb, but it's a matter of learning some herbs that really call to you and that are really interesting to you. Um, know, know them really well. And then you can accelerate that by, by um, what we're doing here. So when we have, uh, we can accelerate. So this is my intention with when I started doing my astro aromatics um, incense was I wanted to make. My, I wanted to learn a lot more about the signs. Yeah, which one you got there? The Aries one? Yeah. I wanted to learn a lot more about the signs through my knowledge of foundational aspects of herbalism and, and then kind of overlap them. And then all of a sudden, now instead of um, appealing to authority on, in the books on the signs and on the tarot and things like that, instead now I've grown my own branch and it's much more sturdy. And, and from that branch, little tiny branchlets come off that are all original. And I think it's a really fun way to learn about, just learn about anything is to accelerate it and put it in, into all these different categories and see where they overlap. And that's why I really love your channel too, as well, Chance, and as well, Slick. So Sagittarius, here we are. This is the most uh, fun season. It's uh, even songs. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, I hope you don't get a, a strike on YouTube for that <laughs> copyright. But Sagittarius is man. The, tied, I think tied for Gemini with like they're fun. You know why? Because they're mutants. They're mutable signs. It's mutable fire. It likes to go. It likes to. Um, it likes to move around. And so Sagittarius. Just looking at the word, breaking it down. Sagitta is the Latin word for arrow. But um, I also see there like the sage and the tarrying sage, like it tarries, it stays in place. 
it's this is the the true alchemy of the Sagittarius. And I think that's represented really well with the temperance card. And so I put these cards up as maybe a loom, um, not not necessarily my expertise, but a loom that we could uh, decode and pick out some of the symbolism and weave with throughout the, the conversation here, because I know that you know a lot about these these cards. But so I see the tarrying sage, the one who stays in place that is that has that fire to move um, the mutable fire sign, which is. You know, the Aries is the spark of the match and the Leo is the hearth that everyone wants to gather around. And the Sagittarius says, there's no more fuel here. I got to go. I got to go find some other fuel and I got to travel around. It's ruled by Jupiter, um, a.k.a. Zeus. And and here's the the tarrying sage once again. If it wasn't for, um, you know, the the promiscuity and the the lust and the gluttony of uh, Zeus, then we would, we would only have half a pantheon, right? <laughs> so you have, uh, you have the Sagittarius. That's the alchemy, the alchemy of that. Right. And so it's ruled by Jupiter and it's the lessons of Jupiter and, and the philosophy we see, I see down there at the bottom. It's the archer. He has to have that great vision. Um, there's the expansion of Jupiter. Jupiter is often called the the largest planet. Um, but it is definitely as a luminary, the, uh, in the night sky, it is very, very, uh, noticeable, right. Um, as a luminary, also the influence of them, it, it's warm and moist. So the Sagittarius, the herbs of the Sagittarius, we're going to find have these kind of qualities to them. They're going to have some expansion. They're going to have, uh, they're going to be warming. They're going to be moistening, um, the liver used to be considered the largest organ of the body back in time, and now it's the skin, but both the skin and liver are ruled by the largest of the luminaries, I guess. Um, it's the ninth house. I like that. I like the number nine. I like the um, how o- overlapping the medical astrology, we see it on the hips and the locomotive aspect of the body. It's got to get up and go, um, like that old Ruddles song, get up and go back home. Um and so that's all I had for this opening slide. Maybe y'all can uh, see some some of the things and jump in here. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I was thinking just as you said it about the Gemini aspect. I always love to point out the 180 degree relationship. Like Sagittarius is 180 degrees up away from Gemini on the other end of the Zodiac there. And uh, there are three minor decans in Sagittarius that I already see some of it popping into the imagery here with uh, the temperance card, the art card, specifically the Crowley art card. Uh, it's the, the cauldron, you know, the, uh, the amphora, the, the, the sacred chalice there she's cooking out of. It has the fire underneath it. Um, that's actually one of the minor decans in Sagittarius. Sagittarius uh, has three minor decans. It's Lyra, the uh, Altar, and Draco. And so those are the minor constellations uh, that will be thematically integral uh, through this through this conversation and this month, the time of year. But she has the uh, the Altar is um, is the thing she's cooking out of there that she's making the concoction and. Also, I'm thinking about the Terry that you mentioned about wait, uh, you know, waiting to to stop or to halt. Um, 
uh, I've recently learned about the lunar standstills. You and I talked about that, Kyle, a couple of weeks ago about the lunar standstills. And so right here between Sag and Scorpio, between this conversation and our last conversation was eclipse season. And so there is a standing still or a cessation of progress. Um, but particularly the lunar standstills are like prolonged eclipse. So it's like the, that not just the sun stopping for three days, it's like the sun and the moon come together for a, a prolonged period. So I love that about the Terry. And then it, uh, there's a corresponding one up in Taurus, uh, just about Taurus and Gemini there, 180 degrees. There's the other lunar standstill up there. So, yeah, Bro, I can totally. Got Taurus in the word. If you right. just said it Taurus instead of to- Sagittarius, you got Taurus is in there. Yeah. But I've never thought of the Terry as being meaning wait or, you know, to to halt, to halt you know, or slow down or delay. It's also a mutable name because men or women can be Terry. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) Man, I had a Terry in high school. I hated that guy. (laughs) Well, my aunt Terry, she's really cool though. Yes. I've loved every female Terry, but the only male Terry I ever met, he was a punk. He's trying to steal my girl. (laughs) All right, the uh, the M's. I want you to weigh in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much to say about this sign and the card itself. So I'm just trying to filter. You know, what is the most appropriate thing uh, to bring up? But I guess one of the things is you'll notice that a lot of um, temperance cards. It's very interesting. You'll see that the water that's flowing from chalice to chalice. There's two cards that really have two chalices. There's the star card, famously has two chalices, and then the temperance card. And I think it's really interesting that a lot of times the flow of water is actually dividing the figure itself in half. So there's this upper portion and lower portion to uh, that figure. And a lot of times it's directly over the womb, too, which I think is really fascinating and interesting. Um, all of the stuff, Kyle, that you mentioned regarding movement, but also like this um, stillness, I think that's really, really interesting for a lot of reasons. You know, um, when you're talking about archery, which clearly is related to Sagittarius, the bow stands still, but yet is a very important component in this whole entire thing. But yet the arrow kind of takes off. So I've always noticed that the arrow is more of a projective traveling sort of, you know, component. And then the bow is actually settled and stays with the archer itself. So there's this masculine feminine sort of thing going on, this projective traveling sort of thing, but also um, this uh, stillness, this kind of throned sort of thing. I made a video about this a while back um also the uh the regarding the locomotion uh the hips the movement i recently have been thinking about our legs being our symbolic wheels and so i think that that's kind of encoded in a lot of different ways like with the chariot card where you can't see the lower half of the charioteer um and so our legs being related to movement and motion being our wheels obviously sagittarius being half horse half human they can travel uh, you know, a fair distance. And this traveling uh, symbolism, though, reminds me of the ultimate trip, which would be death. And so there's a lot of material out there that says that the earlier Sagittarius um, archetypal sort of figure was a psychopomp. And so he was the guide of souls. And sometimes Sagittarius actually has wings. And so I think that's kind of interesting, too. 
Um, also, I just wanted to point out, you know, in the Crowley card, uh, rainbows are oftentimes associated with Sagittarius. And so you see this rainbow going over that figure. And then uh, what's inscribed within the rainbow essentially says uh, going towards the middle of the earth and you'll find the philosopher's stone. And so this is encoding um, alchemical processes and everything else. And ultimately, I think it has to do with your sacred center and going within and kind of finding your true north and everything else. So uh, those are the things right off the top of my head that I wanted to mention. Babe? Uh, well, the um, the staying still and the movement, when you look at the rider weight uh, temperance card. I love that symbology of one foot on the ground, one foot in the water. So then the water being symbolic of that movement. And then obviously one foot on the ground is like being grounded and more stable. Um, and that's the first thing that just comes to mind. But yeah, I mean. Also too, uh, the hermetic title, alternative hermetic title for this card is the uh, daughter of the reconcilers which I think is kind of interesting. Um, Yeah. So to me, looking at the hermetic title for cards is always fruitful. Um, And then also I thought this one was. Can you hold that card up again? Um, I want to make it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So daughters of the reconcilers is a a acronym that spells daughter. D O T R daughter of the reconciler spells daughter. Sweet, sweet, dude. Hell yeah, that's awesome. That was pretty quick uh, draw. For sure. And then I just wanted to show this one, which I think is interesting, which, uh, you know, we're talking about chalices with this card, at least. And uh, here in this card, I wish my camera could get a little sharper, but uh, it's a woman serving Zeus, which I think is really interesting at a table. So just thought I would share that. But yeah, wow. great stuff, man. It's La Temperanza. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always reminded, too, of, like, the idea of tempering something. Something that's being heated up and then being tempered, you know, being brought down, uh, I think is definitely encoded in what's going on here. Yeah. I love something about uh, seeing it in Spanish uh, is really gratifying. Like, uh, because it has the A-Z, Temperanza, Z-A at the end and here we're coming to the end of the year we're closing off the cycle you know the alpha the omega the a to the z that's pretty cool uh and it's interesting that they're sitting at a table in that card because this this uh ara altera uh which is a this little uh constellation that is uh this little cup is uh it also i think relates to an altar you know, it's like yeah. a, a sacred surface for communing. Right, right. Yes, exactly. One of the, um, if you look at the constellation, one of the ways to identify the constellation in the summertime is the teapot um, or tea kettle. It looks like a, there's like a little kettle that you see. Yeah. And so there's an, another vessel aspect. Cool. And, um, of course, um, this is Mario that taught me this actually, that the, um, the Sagittarius being right next to the galactic center, um, across the Milky way. Um, so there's all the symbolism of what the Milky way is. There's the river. Is that, is that the river that this temperance card is standing in here? Um, the arrow pointing at the, um, in some depictions pointing at the, uh, 
the heart of, uh, or Antares, the heart of the scorpion. Um, and so, yeah. Right. It's amazing yeah. that we could have, you know, years and talk about Sagittarius every once in a while or any of the signs and find new things to say every time, <laughs> you know, we've been just talking about this particular zodiacal sign for quite a while. And uh, a couple of new things for me in my looking at it, Gabriel. Okay. I wanted to make sure that you caught last week on the talk with John McHugh, the whole thing about Jupiter slash guru. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Okay, so I'm just going to like restate that uh, I was doing, you know, my Lumashi studies on Sagittarius and Jupiter specifically looking at that sign as a case study to see what I could pull out of it and found that the Sumerian word guru means to castrate or not castrate circumcise. I guess actually castrate castrate works too, basically to like chop off a body part or clip off a body part. And right. I found that interesting because guru is the name for Jupiter in Sanskrit and Hindu. But the other name for Jupiter in Hindu is Brihaspati. And that's like Brihas and Pati, which is father. Brihas sounds exactly like bris, which is the Hebrew word for clipping dicks. So I was like, all right, <laughs> that's a huge connection. But then anyway, Sagittarius as a sign in the old Sumerian Babylonian system was called Pa-Bil-Sag. And so the S-A-G of Sagittarius is in that word. Pa-Bil-Sag would basically be like saying wise father Lord. And I, I thought that's very interesting. I looked deeper into the word Sag, S-A-G which is, of course, like the word sage. And also because the aspirate H and S can shift in languages, it's also where you get the word hag, like Hagia Sophia. So fascinating. Sag in Sumerian actually means head. It can also mean beginning or first. So sag as a sage is wisdom. And we see like in the Old Testament, if you look at the actual original language, uh, the original Hebrew, it doesn't say in the beginning God created. It says by wisdom. So by wisdom is another way of saying in the beginning, interestingly enough. So I found that fascinating, especially because sag, as in Sagittarius, that's the archer. But if sag in Sumerian also means head or first, well, arche is the Greek word that can mean uh, first or wisdom or head, as is it a word for bow in Latin, arche. So there's like all these clearly some serious connection going on between the wisdom traditions, even if it seems like they're totally separate systems. And I found that really fascinating. And then the last thing I'll add, or the two, other, two more things I want to add, Pa Bilsag, the Sagittarius deity in the Sumerian, was a bull, by the way. So back to your lunar standstill Taurus connection there, Gabriel. And um, also interesting that... <laughs> Sagittarius ruling the hips. This is a very root chakra area of our biofield. And uh, the left hip specifically really has to do with, like if there's stuck energy off the left hip, you will find yourself in the position of like not wanting to be seen. So I found that to be an interesting inversion. If this part of our, you know, astronomical Adam Kadmon is talking about seeing and also hips, I find it interesting that if your energy is stuck or stagnant 
on this level of your body that you're actually going to try to hide and not be seen. It's kind of interesting. So that's all I got for that. And Great well, stuff, man. Right hip. Sorry, Mario. The, the right hip ref, relating to um, too much work, overwork, uh, working too much into the future. Not and and there's there's the other in the visionary inversion as well. Um, not being present. Is that correct, Chance? Uh, yeah, that's that could be a part of it. Uh, definitely, the right hip is about overworking. I find. The common reason is because you're guilt tripping yourself. So it turns out that like the amount of work that you are doing or how productive you are or are not isn't really so important as to if the motivation is because it's what's in flow and what you want to do for fun and what feels right for you versus I'm motivated by guilt. And then we also have this front back axis where the backside is going to be about doing the work in your head mentally and stealing the energy from doing the physical action on the left side is similar. The left side is all about like daydreaming about what you want to do, seeing it in your mind's eye, but never actually doing it if you get stuck energy. So, you know, when all of this is flowing on this level of our biofield, we visualize what we want to see with our mental energy. And then we actually locomotively do it, you know? So all of this definitely fits the, the biofield anatomy. You know, that's making me think of this word temperance as time appearance. Almost like looking through time. And, and, and you know, which is uh, comports to the idea of a farseer. Uh, today, I just made this connection about the word science and the word signs. And how we're always talking about the augury readers and how we, I believe, that they still utilize the augury reading systems uh, and that our language uh, uh, also reveals that, uh, you know, we have very superstitious uh, roots to everything we do. So the temperance, now I'm thinking about time appearance like looking through time because the, the, in the art card she's like cooking up a brew you know what i mean she could be peering into the waters to you know see what her uh whatever her lover is doing through time very interesting dude with time because i always think of uh the archer the centaur that's pulling back his arrow it's he's at a standstill it's at a standstill moment in time. There's a lot of tension within that bow and he's about to let it go, you know? And so I think there is this time component with it for sure. Um, which they say in archery, if you take it really seriously, that that's one of the more difficult steps to master is actually setting it up and everything else. Like that's easier to master than actually letting go of the arrow. And, and you enter kind of into like a uh, stillness when you do that into this Zen, like sort of thing. If you want to roll that way, obviously people just shoot just to shoot sometimes. Uh, but I was going to say earlier chance dude, that connection with guru and circumcision. That's wild, man. I, I really appreciate that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Basically the Lord of clipping dicks. That's your Jupiter. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're muted there, Mario. I just said makes sense. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, he started with his dad and kept on going. Okay. Uh, so, 
Well, one note I'd, uh, before we if we before we put the temperance card or the art card away, I just want to point out how uh, later on uh, I'm going to bring up that Gemini aspect, the 180 degree relationship of the Sag to the Gemini. In the there's something important in that art card, the color spectrum. It has. Uh, I'm just going to point it out. Uh, it's got the peacock colors to it. It's got the greens and the blues, which uh, will become integral. Yeah, she's on the blue field with the green dress. She's got the blue arms, blue boobies, kind of blue-faced. Um, uh, I'm going to try to weave that into the Gemini card uh, later on in the conversation because that green on the blue, I'm starting to see it as uh, a symbol of the peacock. And so I just want to put that little pin in that point. Uh, well, even all those multiple breasts she has are like the the pseudo eyes on the peacock tail feathers. Yeah. You got it. You got it, man. Yeah. Also, yeah. I could be mistaken. I'm going to look it up in this book here called Tarot Correspondences. It's like the ultimate tarot correspondence book. It's pretty interesting. It's only like 20 bucks too, or 25 bucks. Uh, I believe that there's a correspondence with uh, Gemini and the peacock. Um, Gemini, obviously it's the twin, so it's two humans, two boys generally, you know, but um, the monkey, uh, the animals that are associated with Gemini are the monkey and I believe the peacock, but I'm going to verify that right now. Very nice. That's interesting. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, because uh, we don't have any monkey constellations. You know what I mean? Like maybe other cultures do, but we don't have any monkeys in, in the Zodiac, which is just kind of strange. Just give us a thousand years. They'll, all the all the people will be monkeys then. So. <laughs> it gives you an indication of where the symbolism came from if there's no monkeys in it. Right. No elephants right. either. No camels. Well, there there is technically a camel that is, there's a, it's oh, a giraffe. Camel artist. You got it. It's technically interchangeable. I was just thinking of the original 12, but yeah, we need to look at that entire, like, Alma Guest 48. Ah, uh, really, Alma Guest. You know, the original good, 48. Good word, Alma Guest. Well, that's the name of the uh, the work that cataloged the 48 constellations that the Greeks imported from the Sumerian Mul Apin or Mul Apin, which is the their name for the uh, plow constellation, very much the same as the Egyptian version of the plow, which is also the Big Dipper to us or some major. But yeah, they're I'm sidetracking us. <laughs> I'm gonna let Carl, kind of, we'll go that, ahead, Gabe. Well, that's trippy, that word Mola Pin, because Mul is the symbol of the pin from the from the language that you just got done breaking down with McHugh. The mul, mul is the designation of a constellation. Mul. Okay. But he was, uh, he, was, he was talking about the language that the shape of that pin is called a mul sign. Do you remember that? And that. I have to show you guys. I can pull up a picture of the mole cuneiform sign. Yeah. It's also and, called moo. You could also call it moo. Okay. But it has so many meanings. <laughs> it looks like this. Okay. Yeah. Right. But that was referring to a constellation. Um, basically, the most con like all of the uh, cuneiform constellations in the star atlas is started with that sign before it. So it's kind of like a prefix. Gotcha. 
Yeah. I'm still very early in my research into all that. And then there's a whole possibility that it's like a, a forgery <laughs> that it's like a, a, a made up system to, you know, cipher the priestly information in a different way. Hard to say, but fun. <laughs> anyway, keep a, look, keep that symbol in mind, because if we if we make it through these slides, we'll we'll get to something that will be relevant to that, I'm sure. Well, dude, the dandelion, the, you know, spores, if you will, of the dandelion actually look like the cuneiform line with arrow at the end. Perfect. Yeah, totally. Yep. So, yeah, I chose dandelion as our first Sagittarius herb. And the reason why is because it's very mutable. Um, it's abundant. We have all, a lot of Jupiterian aspects with uh, the signature of expansion. It grows um, plants that have this growing out in all directions, kind of like a, a Jupiterian aspect to it. Um, the mutableness where you can, you know, blow it and it will, you know, you, you make a wish and it will uh, create a field of dandelions. So there's all this abundance, right? This is all Jupiterian aspects. Uh, it's, it has this, um, you know, it's, it's not a herb of the season, but it is a, uh, it does represent Sagittarius a lot to me. And one of the reasons why, another reason why is because um, it's a great liver cleanser. And so Sagittarius, mutable fire, runs pretty hot, uh, prone to burning out, um, prone to um, skipping meals because of the, uh, the holding the bow steady uh, constantly, you know, um, and having uh, bitter herbs is a great remedy. So I, I've made some slides that I would say are sympathetic to the season, which are or like um, which will improve the qualities of Sagittarius for those who feel like they need a little bit more Sagittarius in their life. And then some for people who have too much Sagittarius in their life, maybe all the time because they like my wife is a triple Sagittarius. And um, you know, a lot of fun people I know are Sagittarians and they work hard and they're very focused. And um, our liver is an organ that is, uh, you know, purifies the blood, but on a, an emotional and energetic level, the liver also purifies the lower emotions. So anger um, is processed through the liver. So if you don't have time to be angry because you're really focused on that, that bullseye um, across the Zodiac, then you have, uh, then you can really repress a lot of that anger that, that, that would, <clears throat> in my view, um, manifest as heat rising in the body and it would move out through the skin and we'd see signs of excess heat in the skin like you know acne and boils and just ruddy face things like that um just hot temper um prone to um you know outburst and so dandelion is a great herb for that um in all the different ways but in particular for the sagittarius the root so i can you know we can say that um there's solar aspects here. There's solar signatures, obviously, with this with the flower, and this is where I'm getting at the mutable qualities. There's um, the <clears throat> the leaf is more preferred for kidney and diuretic kind of components, um, but that's why that's why it makes a lot of sense to me as like a archetype of the Sagittarius because it's just so ubiqui ubiquitous. You could find it a lot wherever you go. You could find it in you know all parts of the world. 
And um, everyone loves everyone loves dandelions, right? At least that's what we're we're trying to get back to nowadays. <laughs> uh, I definitely see yards that don't, but um, yeah. So there's my there's my take on the dandelion for its Sagittarius. Yeah, I like where you went with all that. And when I think of dandelion too, it's like the, um, well, the energy of Sagittarius to me always has that like radiance to it, you know? So it's a, this is a springtime herb that usually comes up in the early spring. And it's kind of like a, um, like an awakening for the system. So a lot of times you'll use dandelion for maybe some kind of like detox from the winter to get things moving again. You maybe ate more fatty foods during the winter, so your liver might need a little kickstart, and dandelion is really great for that. And then when I look at the um, the seeds of the dandelion and how they're just leaving, you know, that, that does remind me of Sagittarius so much. And I, that was mentioned before, how the shape of it even looks like the arrow, you know, but it's that that's the thing that leaves and goes out and seeks. And that's what I also think of with Sagittarius, the seeker, you know, a lot, they're adventuring, they're going out a lot. Um, and that can be taxing on the body. And sometimes you seek and you seek and you seek and you don't find. And then that sadness or that anger could come from not finding. And so then you have the beauty of the dandelion that could, you know, maybe help you process some of that. And I do love the connection with the sun as well, because the dandelion will close when they're, when the sun is absent. So it kind of has that same like opening for the sun and then will close down at night um, when the sun isn't around. Yeah. And so in the, um, the other thing about dandelions, who hasn't seen like a dandelion just blooming in a, a pathetic little crack in the sidewalk, you know, just trying to reclaim nature. It's like, this is my spot. This is where I'm going to do it. This is where my work is. And I'm going to make it beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to break this sidewalk apart with my taproot. And, um, and then I'm going to reproduce and get to a better area or something like that. So it, it has, it has that vision, but it also has that temperance of, being um being able to do its work its alchemy in with the circumstance that it, it is given you know big time and uh, this is the perfect one to start off with because it uh, there are so many ingredients of the standard temperance angel you know the white garb the yellow halo and even the Wings ready to take off, spread wings ready to, you know, ready to go. This is a perfect one to start off going from the temperance card to this. That's great. I really love the imagery of the little arrows that it's shooting out. I not mean, I've never really connected dandelion to Sagittarius, but it is such a perfect fit. Totally. Yeah, that's like a, that's the kind of arrow that would be very hard to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that you started with this, too. Um, it just reminds me of the abundance of of nature. You know what I mean? How many people walk by dandelions, never know their entire life that they're good for anything. Uh, they just, you know, weed whack them and mow them down and all of that. But we're talking about Jupiter. So we're talking about this expansiveness. I think of abundance as well. Um, you know, so just it's a reminder of the abundance, the abundance that is uh, out there, you know, all over the place. So you don't have to look very far for medicine. Oh, and also it has the that uh, the diuretic nature of it. So the yellow going with urine and then the diuretic is going to, you know, stimulate uh, movement 
in the bladder and kind of, you know, continue that flushing sort of um, action too. Uh, thank you, Jen, for the dandelion. He is a dandy. Yeah, so dandy. Great. Original art by our resident Jen Brewster. Wow, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Really, that's hers. Yeah, that's cool. That makes it ten times cooler. <laughs> Super dandy. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. Oh, and one other thing that I think of, um, dandelion roots make a lovely coffee substitute. You know, you can harvest them and roast them and then you can add, you know, you can, it's really good when you blend it with other herbs, like chicory is really great with that too. I think Kyle, I think you guys have a coffee, uh, substitute a root blend um but there is something out there it's called dandy blend it's kind of like if you're really trying to get off a coffee um it's a i think they i don't know if they freeze dry it or what but it's a powder it's like an instant powder and the base of it is dandy dandelion roots but there's also other ingredients in there but i always like to give that shout out for that uh, beverage because it's really tasty especially for people who really love coffee and you're like want something that mimics it it's a good one just a little one little tip <laughs> i have to i have to say before we go on my your last episode with um, mario there blew my mind mario the way that you uh talked about the signatures i i wanted to write to you but i might as well just tell you now the the way that you were talking about the signatures for the Polestar. And that that one in particular, you can look at dandelion as seeing, um, you know, a constellation. So we can transform the symbolism from Jupiter onto uh, a higher aspect of the um, of the cosmos, I guess you could say. Like, and I think that's kind of where you were going with that is like not settling for the ecliptical, um, uh, you know, appeal, but going a little bit further towards you know uh, a higher cosmology and i really appreciate that i thought it was so good and it was it just was like um it just rang true in every single way and i found that um you know nature really could have ways of overlapping with both um influences and but in, in particular the way that you laid down the the pole star influence and how you know dandelion and amanita and all these other the christmas tree for example and so for those watching who are interested in um signatures doctrine of signatures check out michelle and mario's last episode it was fantastic really well done thanks man i really appreciate that um you know, basically what I put out there was that I think the axis Mooney, the world axis, it reminds me a lot of a stem, reminds me a lot of trees. I think the world tree symbolism by extension can kind of be applied to a lot of other plants, seeing how a lot of flowers and trees and whatever herbs and stuff, they have that main shoot, that main stem that goes upward, reminds me very much of the, uh, the world axis, the world pole. And then the very top, a lot of these flowers reminds me of an expression that kind of is similar to what would be the hub of the wheel. That is the night sky, which would be the Northern sky, which would be Polaris and everything else. So uh, I'm actually going to refine that presentation and give it again. Uh, I think here in the near future, but I appreciate that dude. That's awesome. On this channel. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. We can figure that out. Cause I was super into it as well. That was a great, everyone go get on Michelle's healing home YouTube channel. It's a up and coming gem. Oh, you're muted there. 
You get, I'm, am I here? I think we're good. Now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys. And, you know, I was so excited for Mario to give that presentation because we were in the garden this summer and he, he mentioned that. And I was like, babe, that, whoa, that's awesome. You have to go with that because there's totally something there. And so just kind of seeing it from the summertime till now. And he was just really, I was just so glad that we were able to share that with everybody. Yeah, it was her idea, actually. We were going to do a show together and we were like, what are we going to talk about? And she's like, how about you talk about all that stuff that you're always going on about? I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) sounds good. (laughs) All right. Red Clover. Red Trifolium Pratense. Let Red Clover come over. Um, So Jupiter... As we, as, as you might, you know, if you're looking in, into a telescope, we often see that it's got this like reddish, uh, pinkish hue. Um, that is, if we look at it through a telescope, right? If we're, we're given other images that are way different, but anyway, you could kind of make that out in the night sky. It's got that lovely pinkness to it. And here we have that expansion signature once again. Um, one of the things about the jovial Jove is it's, uh, I would say in another quality for that would be luck. And I chose this one. I felt, I felt like it fit in really well for a lot of reasons, but one, because it's got, it's associated with a lot of symbolic luck, you know, your four, lucky four leaf clover. This is uh trifolium. It's normally three leaf clover. So um, you have the, there's the, uh, there's many aspects of, of the, of the three in nature. Whenever I see a three in nature, I always think about, fertility. So you have one of those leaves is the mother and the other is the father and the third is the child or two legs of the mother and then the, the, the child being birthed through the two legs. There's a lot of sim- symbolism in the um, signatures for that we see in three. So fertility tonic for sure. Uh, base chakra abundant, quite abundant. The, the bees love it. Um, and this is a plant that is definitely moistening. So I think about this plant also, like I think that this plant could also fit really well with Piscean ideas too, also ruled by Jupiter because it has a really strong um, effect on the glands and the lymphatic system and parts that are um, Piscean in the body. But also, um, and a little known uh, uh factoid about red clover and herbalism a lot of i mean a lot of people use red clover for altering the digestion for encapsulating um toxic material or breaking down cyst it's used a lot in um, breast cancer work and all types of lymphatic work but a little known thing is working with it for nutrition for the brain in particular the overworked um think mutable fire type of person um, somebody who has a lot of things going on, this, that, this, that, um, never, never going to stop. Never, uh, you know, hits the bed at night, falls asleep, wakes up first thing in the morning, ready to go. That's a, there's a constitution that fits that. Um, whether it's, whether that's a Sagittarius person, you can, in Ayurveda, you can call it the Pitta archetype, the overworked burnt out Pitta. And so this is a plant that moistens the body from the inside out where, that person would get burnt out from the inside out. So this has got a really nice way of uh, having that influence also on the brain, that moistening of the brain for people who feel like they have, they lose words or they can't remember what they were thinking because they're way overworked. Um, And um, 
Yeah. So what do you think, Michelle? Well, I firstly, too, I see in the leaf, the signature here, it almost looks like there's like a little arrow that is formed in that lighter color um, of the leaf. And then um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's um, is this helpful for um, estrogen uh, production or like increasing estrogen? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, it's it helps with um, regulating estrogen estrogen or putting the brakes on estrogen B, which is thought at this point to be the, uh, the bad estrogen. So, um, yeah, but it does have an effect on estrogen. So that's why it's really helpful for, um, all things mammary and, um, and, you know, milk production and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I just, I look at it and it's very feminine to me. I mean, I mean, the pink color, obviously, but there's something so soft and gentle about this plant. And I know you mentioned how much the bees love it, but that is always one of the things I notice is just how drawn um, to this plant the bees are. And there's like little tubes, like the flowers almost create little tubes, it looks like too. Yeah. Then with the nectar inside each one. And it's, yeah. it's like a real great treat to just go through a field of these and pluck them on a dewy morning and suck out the neck and just like chew on the nectar and the, the sweetness that they have. Um, actually the, there's, I've heard of stories that during the potato famine in Ireland, um, that those who were not reliant on the, uh, the, you know, the, that which would cause a famine, you know, they were people who lived on the land that uh, could have additional ways to supplement their diet um, relied on red clover and all the different ways that it had supplies nutrition. And when, and for the previous comment from James, when I have in my mind's eye, like if I have a, I'm trying to create like a little Enneagram uh, based on Slick's work, recent work of my, of my friends and the people in my life. And I'm putting like in my mind's eye, when I'm thinking about Sagittarius, I think about my wife who is definitely a, a big time Sagittarius and James, <laughs> that's you. So I am speaking to you, buddy. So I hope you listen. Totally. That's awesome. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, man. James, you're a beautiful four brother. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, lover. So we've got, you know, red, C, lover. You can, you know, throw the C in front of red and you get cred. Uh, but lover, the lover's card is intrinsic to Gemini. Again, going to that 180 position up above. And even this kind of pink color of the red uh, almost reminds me of the wings of the temperance card that we just looked at that has kind of a a very strange red colored wings, uh, similar, similar. And on the lover's card, there's, uh, usually three figures as well with the tri leaf sort of thing. Totally, totally. Like the three leaves of the clover. Yep. And there's, uh, I'll get to this before chance does (laughs) clover is symbolic of fire and Sagittarius. It's got that fire. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever smoked anything was in high school and we smoked cloves. And I was like, this is okay because it's not cigarettes. But they were just clove cigarettes. <laughs> Man, they gave you a buzz, though. Were you, were you a goth? No. No, I was more... 
<laughs> I was mutable. <laughs> I was click mutable. I was, uh, you know, I was into whatever. I had friends on all all sides. Liable to change. <laughs> God tiger status. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys cool to move on from Clover. It was a really yeah. great overview. Clover view. Hey. <laughs> um, yo, what's up, James? James from uh, Grounded Extracts. Um, Another legend in the chat. Totally. totally. Yeah. Um, Burdock. Who also, uh, by the way, let's just continue shouting out Michelle's every episode. Her yeah. talk with James from Grounded Extracts was phenomenal. Every time I hear him talk about his experiences, I'm just like, there's more? There's more. <laughs> it just gets deeper and uh, more fascinating. Yes, I agree. That's why I had totally. him on. Yeah, brilliant. So we got here some bear medicine. This is Arcticum. There's the bear. Lapa. Uh, maybe Lapland or Arctic, right? Right. We have a lot of northern symbolism with this plant. And the bear in particular, there's the signature of the bear. It kind of looks furry over there in the on the right, the burrs. Um, but it's bear medicine because when the bear hibernates when it wakes up. It's looking for nourishment and it will find roots. It'll dig up some of the roots that it really likes roots that have like an oiliness to them that have a moisting quality. So think of the bear constitution, which is, you know, bigger, um, prone to excess, you know, Jupiterian, right. And then also waking up from this part of the year, right. That goes it hibernates and it goes into its slumber. It goes into the dream realm of the, of the year. And then it's waking up and it looks for some nourishment. So for the undernourished, overworked, um, thin type of person, uh, burdock and for the constitutionally like b large bear person. And it maybe um, this is, this is a really suitable medicine for that. So other signatures of Jupiter too, we have this super huge leaves. This is a great plant for um, it's got like a six foot long taproot. Boom. Just straight down taproot goes way down into the earth, pulls up all these micronutrients, brings them up into the leaves and plops them down on the soil. Um, and of course, this is uh, considered like a, an invasive weed. How dare you? How dare? How bare you? <laughs> um, be uh, in my lawn taking up all of this space when really it's just saying like, look, I see that you have uh, some crappy topsoil here. I just want to uh, bring up the good stuff and put all, put all this dankness down. Um, and then the expansive, again, like kind of like the um, in the same fa plant family, the Asteraceae of the dandelion like the daisy family we could call it it has that uh round in all directions um and there's this um you guys know terence mckenna the kind of psycho a psycho not botanist guy um he was he has something psycho that he, psycho not yeah, <laughs> that was a good psycho slip not. there <laughs> right. he had some some things that he said that i thought were pretty funny but one of them oh was, yeah me too uh one of them was uh that you know Back in time, plants used to rely on the wind to reproduce. So it was an old-fashioned way of reproducing. You know, I just throw out your pollen into the wind, and woo, it's like a plant orgy out there, right? And it just whoever it lands on will just reproduce. And it found it very inefficient. So um, 
plants developed ways to attract pollinators to them. And so in essence, um, plants created or invented these insects is kind of what his point was. And if I'll take that a little step further, Burdock invented hairy dogs in blue jeans because <laughs> the reason why the reason it gets around is by sticking to your um, hips and thighs when you're walking through the woods and you pull, you finally, you get to an, you get to another spot and you're like, how far have I come with these things on? Just throw them off, throw them off, throw them off, throw them off. Like shooting little arrows back into the, into the woods. And so it's, it's, that's one of the reasons why I like it as a Sagittarius herb too, is because just the way that it locomotes around and sticks to you, it sticks to your Sagittarian parts. And, um, and like the dandelion, the root is works in a lot of the similar ways it's moistening it's uh it's a blood purifier as they say in uh, traditional appellation folk medicine which is to say that it improves the function of the liver by cooling off and supplying nutrition to a hot liver and in particular the access from the liver to the skin so when the liver is like really overworked and it says i got all these hormones to work with i got all this like toxic crap i got to work with i can't deal with this um you know, these sliders that you just ate or whatever. Um, so I'm just going to take that excess uh, toxic waste and put it out towards your skin. So for people who have like a lot of uh, that type of relationship with the, the heat from their skin to their liver access, burdock is a great one. And um, it also, um, not I don't like it necessarily roasted, but in along with dandelion, roasted dandelion as like a coffee substitute. It's really, really nice. Slightly bitter, slightly sweet. Um, all things good and bare from herbalist bear reporting on burdock. So this is something that basically like could also help with uh, some like weight management and your body's processing of what it's taken in. Right. Let's say let's, I wouldn't say necessarily weight management, but the, the metabolizing of uh, adipose fat tissue into um so sometimes you know it's it could be like a net uh lateral weight change but with with just reducing like that that um or metabolizing that excess fattiness i guess you could say that makes sense so i like to i always like to think about framing herbs for that a lot of time you know i guess you could say if you looked on the internet right now you could say you could type in herbs for weight loss and you would find dandelion and you would find burdock, but I don't really like to think of it that way because I don't think that it's necessarily healthy for some people like the bear that just woke up in the springtime to lose weight. I think it's more, um, I think that there's herbs that will help improve how our nutrition is managed. And I think that that's a better way of thinking about this plant. I like that. Yeah. I got, uh, I'm sitting here thinking about the word burdock, burdock, burdock. There's so much going on. Uh, my first impression, I wanted to bring out the dra the you know, the Drake or the dragon, because you said it burrows down deep. And Draco is one of the minor constellations here in Sagittarius. But I think we're actually seeing bedrock. You know, when you dig down to the de the depths of the depths till you can't dig anymore, that's when you know you've hit the bedrock. That's a great point. I love that. Did you know the inventor of Velcro allegedly invented it because he was pulling these burrs off of his dog and the burrs have these little hooks. They're like hooked like little barbs. 
And he's like, ah, that's it. I got it. All I have to do is make the plastic like come up and like melt it down to a little bit. And um, that's a story I've heard. I can't verify that, but I think that's pretty cool because they are like nature's Velcro. Yeah, they totally are. God, I have so many childhood memories of having burrs in my hair and in the dog's fur and everything else. And one of the signatures of this, uh, the leaves, and I have to shout out uh, Saja Popham for this one, but he talks about how Jupiterian leaves sometimes have um, like cloud-like shapes. And so you see the the ruffles on the edges of those leaves. They almost kind of look puffy. They're so big that they have that um, puffy kind of um, cloud-like shape to them. And I always, uh, burdock for me is a really great remedy for acne. Um, so yeah, kind of going back to the liver, because when I think about acne, I always do think about toxins that might be, you know, kind of coming through your skin, surfacing up through acne. And burdock can be a really great remedy for that. So you can make a skin wash uh, with the root. You can make some kind of skin toner. You know, you could make a lovely, um, you could use a tincture and then add it to like uh, something like witch hazel, or you could even infuse it with witch hazel and a little bit of alcohol. Um, make You can even make face creams with burdock, with the burdock root, dry the root and then infuse it in an oil. And it's really lovely for skin health. Yep. Great for growing hair. I've used the burdock leaves for um, severe burns too. There's your um, fire leaving the hearth. And then James just asked about OSHA, um, which sounds like faux shower, sort of. Um, so I'll, t- I'll talk about OSHA. <laughs> OSHA is a plant in the that grows in the Rocky Mountains in western part of the country. And it's kind of higher up. And that's also considered a bare root. So the name bare root is just a common name that would be regional for what indigenous people would see the bears eating when they woke up and got out of the caves in the spring. So if you lived in the Rocky mountains, um, you would see the bears going to get this plant OSHA, which is, um, it's in the, um, APACA family, which is the carrot family. Carrot family plants are typically aromatic. This plant is not aromatic. It has a lot of nutrition, but the OSHA is decidedly aromatic and has, um, uh, a lot of yeah so there's osha look at that it looks like a it also to me could also be very sagittarian look at it, it looks kind of looks like a quiver full of arrows there um, oh man i get a ton of this in my yard th- you probably don't you probably get a different uh like a a, a different type of a like cow parsnip or something like that because osha is okay it's more in mountainous regions well, i, I get something know. that looks like this <laughs> yeah yeah for sure. i'm being educated though but uh, one of my b- favorite plants for busting up mucus in the lungs and again, like bear waking up in the springtime, flimminess, um, stimulating the appetite, those types of things. And OSHA is fantastic. It's, I, um, it's just so hard to harvest because you have to, people have to go way up in the mountains. And then it's also, um, I wouldn't say it's not endangered, nor is it like uh, it's, they're watching it. They're watching the population right now. So I've been, I've been using alternative plants, but I have, I do use OSHA particular for the young lung tonic, which chance gets sometimes. And um, it's one of the main ingredients in that great bear medicine. And the thing about bear medicines too, is that the bear, the, the bear in native American medicine represents that animal, which is associated with the, the pole star and the, the dreams. So going 
into the depths of winter, going into the depths of your own psyche um, in order to come out to the other side or to come out through the center. Um, um, and so when you see bears in, in, um, in your dreams, these are s- strong messengers from the dream world, um, things like that. So working with, you can work with bear medicine in that way where you can take like, say a drop of OSHA and put it on your third eye or a drop of burdock root or burdock infused oil, um, and put it on your third eye before you go to bed. And, uh, in order to work with dreams, it's not, it's different than things like mugwort. It's, but it's the intention and calling into the, the signature of the animal itself. So Sagittarius is half man, half animal after all. And I think it would be quite appropriate in this time of year uh, to work with the bear medicine in that way. I'm loving this bear medicine weave, dude. That is awesome. Um, there will absolutely be a bear presentation or video coming at some point because there is just too much good stuff to not relay to everyone. But this is fantastic, dude. Thank you for throwing this down. It's awesome. Yeah. And I just have to give you props, Kyle, because I just love hearing you talk about your herbal knowledge. I, you are just something else. It's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. Really. I just give you so much kudos and I look up to you so much and you inspire me. I just need to say that (laughs) every time I listen to your knowledge, it just, I feel like I'm leveling up every time. So seriously, like, uh, (laughs) thank you. Sage of sages. The way yes. that you deliver the message, the cadence, the tone, the uh, the reverence, the gratitude, all of it is so powerful. But and then on top of it, you like just know your shit. So <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, man. That's why I'm so excited. We're going to do this 10 more times. <laughs> <laughs> right? We do. Yeah. We're so blessed here on the Vibrant channel. The so this is, man. I have to get, I have to give a little, um, caveat uh first one caveat one no one's having more fun than the bears uh, you can put that slide back up and caveat number two this is just tangential all right this is uh, i didn't want this i don't know if this has anything to do with sagittarius but uh, i would be remiss to talk about burdock and not bring up one of my favorite uh rituals which is the Burryman festival of south queen's ferry uh, which is held on the first friday of august um, I just went back and looked. And I was like, when did the queen die? Um, and <laughs> and that's before the fairy festival in this town, South Queen's Ferry, which is in Scotland, as you can tell by the the kilts. It was really funny because if you ever had burdock on your jeans, you can get a couple of burdocks in, in your jeans. And it's just like, you know, just a few of them. And it's just like a real pain in the ass, uh, pun intended, like the, the little burr stick and the, the itch and the irritate. And here's Burry man, this is a, a, some sort of festival where this they get this guy covered in this suit of burrs, and they put him between these two uh, ritual poles and these like some, like Masonic handlers on the side here, and they and they give him uh, they walk him around and they spend nine hours walking around. There's, there's the nine. That's the only Sagittarian thing I have here, and everywhere he goes the people of the town give him scotch and for nine hours, by the way, oh, and man. He's in August, in August, in this crazy suit, uh, sweating his ass off, getting scotch, which to me is like, like I can handle a, a bourbon, but like scotch tastes like freaking 
men's cologne. That's disgusting. And, and so I just think, all right. So I just thought, I just wanted to say this little tangent because here we are after all with some master ritual decoders in the room. And I just thought maybe, yeah. maybe you had something you want to say before we got back on yeah. Sagittarius. If you drink scotch for nine hours, you might be a different kind of buried man. Be six feet under. <laughs> well, I just learned, uh, this week that, uh, you know, the first week of August is, uh, has a very long history of commemorating the burning of, uh, the library of Alexandria, the alleged burning of the library of Alexandria, which is just interesting because I think it's preserved through the Scottish rite a Freemason that observes this early August burning. And here we have South Queens fairy. And when I see the fairy, I often, and think of you know all those supernatural and also the fiery the fiery aspect of august uh in the fact that he's drinking scotch he's got the scottish celts on his side yeah totally scottish right freemason action going on this is cool man this is really fun yeah agreed this is fascinating uh i'm reminded of the green man and what the green man represents you know and so he's like a living walking sort of green man uh and then obviously whenever you see the two pillars or two poles or whatever it's definitely a gateway of sorts it's a doorway you know so it's bringing something forward or um it's initiating something that's about to come in or come around the corner um the scotch thing too is that's <laughs> that's awesome i want to find videos of this so i'm going to do some follow-up research and see what i can find but uh this is great man i've never heard of this it's i good. wonder if it isn't some kind of strange harvesting of consent for taxation because you're going around you're giving this man scotch and the word Scott actually derives from, you know, like Scots land or Scotland. It means taxed yeah. land. The Scots are the taxed. <laughs> that was the origin of the name. It means that they were under the taxation of the empire. So, or the church, really. So they're going around and giving their taxes, their Scots, to the Bury Man. <laughs> I wonder about that. Like... Uh, is that sort of like ritualistically they're consenting to being taxed? That's what comes to mind first. Great read, brother. I dig that a lot because yeah, the the burrs give joinder. They attach to you, whether you, uh, it's like a tar baby, you know, any interface with the burrs attaches them to you. That is so good. I love that read. And I got to point out, uh, uh, Burryman of South Queens Ferry is a B-O-S-Q. Spells Bosk. Well, and, and if you do your R to L switch, it's the bull man. <laughs> well, right, right, right. The bully man. The bull man. The bully man. Right. Totally. Wow. What a trippy, trippy ritual. Uh, yeah, I'm Bosque. glad you've, I've never heard of this. I'm really glad that you showed us this, Kyle. Yeah, man. Uh, so the Basque, I mean, we all know about the RH negative thing in the Basque country, but they also have a lot of really fascinating woodland ritual. You know, their whole culture is like is rooted in uh, the timbers in the woods. Uh, you know, they make in instruments out of uh, just basic wood. Uh, you guys ever heard of the Telaparta? It's a T-X-A-L-A-P-A-R-T-E, maybe? T-X, 
L-A-P-A-R-T-A, maybe. Uh, Teleparta is a Bosque uh, instrument. It's very fascinating. I just thought I'd throw that out there because we're definitely looking at some real elaborate ritual here. <laughs> Marty, I've drank scotch for nine hours straight. <laughs> Still alive to tell the tale. Did you find any burrs on yourself afterwards? Through a straw. Thanks, Marty, for the uh, super chat there, buddy. Yeah, man. Three, three, three. <laughs> well, I better keep us moving. We have a decent number of these to go over, and we're pretty long in the tooth. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about century other than here's an herb named, uh, after centaurs, um, as I see a really fun looking arrow signature in the, in the plant itself. This is from the gentian family and it's really popular used in Europe as bitters. And the idea with bitters, anything bitter, whether it's dandelion root or burdock or coffee or hops or chocolate. As soon as you taste something bitter, the flavor activates the bile receptors that are in your mouth. You have bile receptor or bitter receptors in your in your nose, on your eyeballs, um, in your bloodstream. It's a very, very prominent part of our digestion and of, of our feedback loop with how we experience the, the natural world. And um, in, in a lot of our diet today, they are synonymous. They get plugged up, I guess you could say, with sweets. So a lot of times when the body, at least in my view, when the body's craving sweets, what it's actually craving is the flavor of bitters. And when you taste something bitter instantaneously, not like a clock, but just like boom, um, your bile starts to move from your liver to your gallbladder. It just starts to prime up your your digestive fire. It primes the furnace for burning up um what's coming next. It's taking everything that's in your small intestines and moving them a little further down. It's taking everything in your colon and evacuating it. That's why you can have, you can sit down with your coffee and just smell it before you even sip it and feel the need to evacuate your bowels and just take one sip. And you think, what, how is it that I just took one sip and it makes me want to go. Or if you sit down at a pub or something like that, and you have like a really bitter ale. You're like, oh man, this is a dive bar. I better not <laughs> have to go here. Um, so that's the thing about this plant being in the gentian family, the, the root of this plant. So a lot of the gentians are the famous bitters like in, in Angostura and the more popular bitters that we find. Um, this one's just been quite over harvested in Europe because it's been popular for a long time. It was giving, um, here's, here we have a depiction from a 13th century manuscript with uh, Chiron um, and this plant, or it's credited as this plant. Um, and he's displaying the root, which is the the part of the plant, which is the the part that is uh, suitable for the medicinal purposes. And um, and so that's all I have to say about century. And I think it's really cool that um, that this plant is just named after centaurs and the, also the aspect of just um, we have we have um, in our in our body. The digestive aspect is kind of like. Um, primal and animalistic in a way. It's our animal appetite. It's our, it's the part of our, um, you know, there's something that, that happens that we can't control that, that, um, that we have, you know, when you taste something bitter, it just has that reactive force that is drives us into our material selves. 
And so I think that's a really interesting aspect with the, the, um, the horse part of the body, you know, the animal side of the body. Nice, man. Yeah. I love this. I'm liking it. I, I didn't, I've never heard of this herb. So I was very excited to hear you talk about it and see what was going on with it. It's beautiful. I really love the flower pattern. So uh, it's related to ginseng. Is that what you said? Gentian, G-E-N-T-I-A-N. Oh, okay. That's not the same thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just kind of Googled it real quick and it said one of the possible uses would be as treat, treating snake bite. So that's interesting. Uh, maybe that's part of how it got related to the centaur or horses since horses are kind of at risk for snake bite, probably in terms of um, animals that you would commonly treat. Right. And it's, uh, and we're here, we're right next to Ophiuchus, right? So there's the snake coming down, trying to bite that, trying to bite the, the horse too. Yeah. So this slide is reminding me, right. You mentioned Chiron, but one of Chiron's thing is that, um, that he was an herbalist as well. He's known as the wounded healer. Right. And so he overcame his, um, actually several like invisible wounds. I think the biggest invisible wound for him, his original one was being abandoned by his parents. And so he had a lot to get over, but because he did that, he became a renowned uh, healer, the wounded healer. Um, And so I just think that's really interesting that they even showed Chiron with any kind of herb. That's really interesting. Um, And when I'm looking at the flower too, uh, before they open up, you know, it's very phallic. Right. And so there's other uh, older illustrations of Sagittarius where he has a a full on erection. And so uh, that reminds me of the expansion of Jupiter and Jupiter himself as well. So just wanted to point that out. Um, But yeah, I love this, man. Very cool. I've never heard of it either. So this is my first rodeo with Centauri. One thing I see, you mentioned uh, like diuretics and, uh, you know, the first sip sip of sniff of coffee. This uh, urethrea uh, corresponds with the urethra, I would think, right? Anatomically seems to. Do you think there's a there there, Kyle? I think there is, yeah. The urethra. That that word is an interesting word, erythrea. It is the name of a allegedly a lost city of Crete spoken of by uh, the ancient philosophers, but not ever located. Wow. That is really fascinating. Oh man. There's a lot to build out on that idea. That's cool chance. Well, so I've been thinking about the visual difference, uh, you know, centaur and Sagittarius are, uh, you know, one is the, you know, the, is the minotaur in the centaur of the, uh, of the labyrinth. And it's, I think, help me out, Mario, isn't centaur technically half bull and half man and Sagittarius is half horse and half man? There is, uh, an interesting correspondence there. Uh, I think you're, are you thinking of minotaur by chance? Half bull, minotaur. half man? Minotaur. That's it. I'm thinking of the minotaur in the centaur. Are they related to each other more so? Well, the odd thing is the Sagittarius constellation to the Sumerians was a bull, but also a god, 
like a bull, like an anthropomorphized bull god, bull man god. So like a minotaur. And then there yeah. you go back to Crete, as you said. Right. One of the relationships, too, if I'm not mistaken, centaur translates to bull killer. Mm. I believe that is the original meaning is that centaurs are bull killers. There's something along those lines. And actually, I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that when Sagittarius is rising, uh, Taurus is falling. That's it. That's a crucial element right there. Great call, Mario. Yeah, Uh, man. Yeah. So, oh, there's so much to this, but um, I've been thinking about the, uh, the centaur constellation has a spear. And it's spearing, I believe, uh, lupus, the wolf, is at the end of the spear. And it's it's so close that it literally looks like the wolf is on the end of the spear of the centaur constellation. And Sagittarius has a, uh, is different in that it's, you know, not a spear. It's an archer, specifically. Um, but one thing I've been seeing Sagittarian characters depicted where they're actually looking backwards over their own horse body and shooting backwards while riding, you know, going forwards, but shooting over themselves in reverse, you know, whereas the centaur, because he has a spear, he has to be forward oriented. And I just want to be kind of a nerd about the symbolism about like, you know, when you see these differences in the constellations that they're, it's not a coincidence. It's like, uh, uh, kind of be- beautifully meaningful. And I think it uh, relates, Kyle, to that thing about Sagittarius to Terry. You know, it's the last month of the year. And uh, a lot of people on New Year's, they'll eat 12 grapes and observance of the past 12 months that they just went through. And so I think of that Sagittarius tarrying, looking back, counting the last 12 seconds of the year, one grape per thought you know, going back and recounting. It's an accounting issue. It's looking back over the records, you know, and making sure the books are clear so you can go forward uh, like the centaur and spear through to the other side. Nice. Very cool, man. I like that. Um, You know, the spear is one of the symbols that corresponds with the world axis for obvious reasons. And then I can't help but notice that Chiron here is holding uh, this plant and that stem right there reminds me of the world axis once again. And the arrow also is another correspondence for it. And I've read before that the arrow is the original glyph of the energy of Mercury, which I relate Mercury right to this central axis too that's how he goes between realms you know that's what i think the caduceus is all about and everything else so whether it's a spear or an arrow i think it kind of all distills down to the same symbolism i think but obviously there are differences as you're saying as well but yeah i'm glad you brought that up i'm gonna move us forward before i open up a whole bunch of more centaur (laughs) cans of cans of centaurs right (laughs) Because they're there. Hey, yeah. another clover view. Yeah, clove. Here's your here's your nails again. Um, these are called uh, nails of um, nails of chrysanthemum in the Italian word. Um, and so I really like. Uh, I don't know. I think that we could think about the the nail symbolism quite a bit here. But 
Um, I, I, so I'm moving into an aspect of the Sagittarian herbs, which I would say are like no longer pacifying to the hot and bothered um, over Sagittarian Sagittarian, but now the type of person who wishes to kindle that um, mutable fire within themselves. And why not do it with one of the most aromatic and most heating uh, carminative plants? Carminative means it's um, it helps it's help uh, it's aromatic in the digestion. And so clove, just a little bit of clove, just a tiny bit. And one of the other things I thought about clove as um, relating to Sagittarius is clove, cinnamon, tobacco, frankincense. These are herbs that helped um, open up the roads to exploring different cultures, different religions, different ideas. Here, the philosophy of of Zeus um, exchanging, of course, uh, mercurial ideas too, but it's the travel aspect involved. So you can imagine the camel packed up with all of these things going down to uh, the manger in Bethlehem and whatnot. And, and, and from, you know, the far East all the way down to where the Franks were. And, and so I really like the idea of um, spice road herbs being, you know, the quintessential chai spice herbs being of Sagittarius warming, familiar of the, of the time of year. Um, you know, it's not a stretch to like have something that has a little bit of cinnamon and clove in your cookies and your, in your tea, um, at this time of year as, as maybe we're using our imaginations, excuse me, a little bit more for the dandelion and the burdock. Um, it seems a lot more, it makes a lot more sense here. And of course we got the signatures of the Jupiter once again, um, the, the beautiful colors that we see in the art card right there in the flowers. So, so cool. Um, that you pointed that out earlier, Gabe. And yeah. And then of course the nails, there's a, there's a, a lot of cool consonants in the botanical name. The, another botanical name uh, was related to um, eugenol, eugenol content in this plant. So clove is, you know, uh, eugenol has, has a lot of um, pain relieving qualities to it as well. So um, you can take a little bit of clove um, oil for teething children. They say, I, and I would, uh, advise you know maybe putting it into a, a carrier oil but um having having just a little bit of clove in your tea is really stimulating to your nervous system it brings warmth throughout your body throughout your circulation um and so for somebody who has a cold depressed state of um a constitution that's like you know kind of wiry intense it feels really relieving to have something warming moving through them. Whereas if you can imagine the super hot overworked Sagittarius might be worse for something that's heating. Um, if you get what I'm uh, throwing down with the sympathetic and antithetic uh, herbs here. Um, but I think it's really fun that, you know, regardless of, of those, we could find those signatures in the, in the, in nature as well. Yeah, this is great. I've never I've never seen cloves as flowers like this. So the, it's really beautiful to see this. Um, do you know what region of the world that uh, clove glo- grows in? Does anybody? There, I think primarily in like Indonesia and is where they're in like Vietnam. 
So okay. really, far, really far east. Yeah, that makes sense. And that would make sense that, you know, it's so prevalent in their cuisine and drinks and stuff. And one of the things that too, I mean, as you mentioned, the te- using it for a teething child, it's very well known for toothaches. And, you know, they look like nails, but they also kind of look like teeth to me um, a little bit. And so they oh, yeah. kind of have like that root of the tooth. Yeah, totally. And so that's one of the first things that I always think of with clove. Um, and then, yeah, the pain relieving properties are just so stunning. Um, I like to blend it with cannabis, actually. It works really well um, in that sense, like topically, if you're putting it into um, a salve or an oil or something like that. Nice. That's a yeah. good doctrine. It's sig- signatures example. That's a really good one because it's good for the teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. Dang. Uh, so my, uh, my, my Capueta teacher's uh, master, guru, his guru, from, uh, is from New York. And um, I will never be able to smell clove without thinking about my Capueta master in New York. Uh, everywhere he goes at all times, he's, uh, he's perpetually chewing on clove, like raw clove, like a, you know, like a, like a chaw. Um, so uh, just kind of a fun little relationship I have with this herb is in honor of my master, I've actually filled my kashishi with uh, clove in here. So you guys can probably hear. And so this is how I this is how I mask my scent when I play capoeira is I put off this false air of smelling nice and tasty and delicious. And, and then uh, and then when they're disarmed, I kick them in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so I really am interested in why the name Syzygium is chosen. A syzygy is a conjunction or union of opposites, like the sun and the moon together, or the alchemical marriage. Is there anything right. that comes to mind why clove would be a representative of this concept of syzygy? Sagittarius, bro. Yeah. Before it's cured, the um, the buds have a very awful scent. So you might as well you you think of clove as having a wonderful scent, but but it has to be cured in order to do that. So there's no. Oh, it's like the, the art card, the temperance yeah. card. So maybe maybe that's the only thing that comes to mind. So, wow! So to get the good stuff, you have to have temperance. You have to wait yeah. for it to come all that way for it to cure. Literally, cure. <laughs> Time is the cure. Nice, nice. Yes, exactly. Uh, what I'm reminded of, Chance, is if we're talking about the alchemical marriage, right? Um, that's kind of what's being shown in the lover's card is an alchemical marriage, this fusion, right, of opposites or whatever. So this binding together, right? Uh, nails bind. That's kind of one of the symbolic things that goes along with nails is that they bring things together and so um that's why it corresponds with the hierophant card uh the hebrew letter that means nail corresponds with the hierophant card the hierophant essentially is a bridge between worlds between god and the people sort of thing so it's this binding connective sort of thing and then somebody in the chat was saying uh there's actually clove in the filler putty that dentists use to fill cavities so it makes me wonder if there's more binding stuff kind of going on there i don't know that much about clove but i'm just spitballing 
I've filled many dental cavities. I used to work as a dental assistant for a long time. And this, the stuff is called intermediate restorative material. It was developed in the Korean war and they would put, uh, you know, somebody would break a tooth and they would put this, this clove and it had, it does have like the, the oil mixed. Uh, it's not necessarily the, um, uh, the, the oil has a, a way of breaking down um, some of the powders that are used, but it, it actually makes a, a very, very effective restorative uh, material, especially because it, sedates the nerve a, a, a bad nerve of the tooth and uh, it works so well as an intermediate uh, material that it actually became kind of permanent for a lot of people so there are some people that i've seen that had this old old fillings that were put in 20 years ago with this material that was supposed to just be like a we'll you know we'll, we'll book you an appointment in a few weeks and you come back and you get a crown kind of a thing and uh, that stuff still lasted so and and I think it has a lot to do with the way that it uh, continually releases its oil, just like in the bag that you have there, and will continue to like mold itself over and over and over again. Yep. Man, there's a lot to think about with this one. <laughs> there's definitely kind of like a sexual aspect to it, as Rachel pointed out. Uh, kind of phallic and yoni ask for sure. So that could be part of the syzygy of it all, which is a fun word, syzygy. It's a great word. Yeah. We cool to move on to frankincense? I think we are. This is so informative. (laughs) I'm really glad we're doing this series. Thank you, herbalists. I'm I'm so glad too. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you uh, in the chat for participating and following along. It's really, really fun to be able to share this. Here's uh, Boswellia. Um, All's well and in Boswell. And I chose this image of the looking up at the tree in the canopy to um, to set off Gabe's placenta triggers. And um, <laughs> And here's the man over here cutting it and scoring it, seeing how you process it. You kind of injure the tree. You cut it with a uh, a knife, right? You cut the placenta and then you, and then it bleeds out, uh, these, uh, tears and they're protective. And of course, that's what we know as, um, you know, what we smell when we enter a Catholic church, for example, but frankincense is really, really sacred to a lot of cultures and for their, a lot of religions. Um, You'll find it burning in, you know, Thailand and Cambodia, just in the streets and everything like that. All these little um, altars just built into the street where people will just walk by and bow. And when the incense is burning, and I even learned um, in my travels that uh, sometimes people will, instead of burning the frankincense at the altars, they'll consume the frankincense uh, with their body as the altar. So if we think about our our digestive system as the furnace once again, and we know that it's, that it's working well and it's working hot that we could take something small, little chunk of resin that's gummy um, in a ceremonial way. And just, uh, you could chew it up. There's even resins that come from Crete that are similar to, to frankincense that are called mastic. That's, you know, for chewing. Um, Sometimes people will chew this just for strengthening the jaw or for aiding in, the antimicrobial aspects that this plant creates for, you know, those are, these are scabs. They're creating little scabs to protect the tree from insects and from infection and stuff like that. And so that's the medicine, that's what it is. And so if that's what's going on and we have, and we're working against, let's say uh, the, uh, the type of 
colony in our guts that we don't want, you know, it's, I, I, I'm trying to get away from antimicrobial, but that's what this, this plant is kind of billed as is antimicrobial because I know that it's, you know, microbes are so bad, right? No, I don't think so. But I think that we could think about it as a balancing, it's balancing of the biota. And I really like the reverence um, with ingesting um, Boswellia and thinking about ourselves as a temple. My body is a temple. I'm, I'm, uh, consecrating this, you know, and I'm bowing to it. And of course, just the, the aroma of frankincense is so divine and, and recollect, recollecting of fire and, um, the season, you know, of course, the gifts of the magi, the gifts of the sagi. Um, and bringing this to the manger, you know, that's something maybe we can discuss a little bit more in Capricorn, but, um, definitely a world traveler, this plant. Um, that's what I think of right away is the three gifts of the Magi who are Babylonian astrologers, <laughs> according to John McHugh, which makes sense. But, of uh, Frank, right? Well, we know what incense means. It's like incense, but Frank little known fact about Frank is that it means free. So you have in Frank, it's the same as Frey, the God Frey, uh, just with a, you know, the hard K at the end of it. So I find that fascinating because of the gifts of the Magi, frankincense, myrrh, the frankincense, Frey, you know, is this the free father? Bacchus, Libra Potter is the tree Boswellia, the, the actual Libra Potter, <laughs> the original. I don't know. But if you do the S shifting to a CH, which it can do, uh, S interchanges with CH, you have Bach. Bachelia, Bachelia, Bachelios. <laughs> and then, so there's your free father, Libra Pater, Frank, Frey. And then on the other side, you have Mir, Mira, Mir, Mira being the mother of Adonis, who is an, a similar figure as Jesus. And so you have like mother, father, and then maybe gold is the child. I don't know, but there's a lot of endless things to decipher out of the three gifts of the Magi. That's for That's sure. Awesome. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Another another aspect of Frank is uh, foreign. It's free because it's foreign. It's not weighed down by local custom. Uh, like uh, franchise means free and choice. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to weave in, in there. Um, and like you were saying, chance about the Bacchus, you know, the Bacchanalia potential here. Uh, something that I've come to really enjoy is the idea of like tobacco is has that baca you know the bacchus and here we're talking about an incense that we light up and something i'm seeing is very bacchanalian is the idea of taking something very small like a stick of incense or or a cigarette and initiating a process that makes that tiny little object fill the room and maybe even the entire house with this with its essence so the expansiveness, the Jupiterian expansiveness of these Bacchanalian uh, ingredients uh, are very well named. We'll just kind of say that. But yeah, well, when you think about Christ on the tree being wounded and right. the symbolism of that with how they're harvesting frankincense, it's very interesting. Uh, and is. I've never really seen the tear scab, <laughs> you know, these golden amber droplets before like this but they are yeah. 
something really captivating about their look. Yeah, man. It, uh, my mind, like when you said that, Kyle, about, you know, walking into a church brings the uh, the association of incense. In my mind, I was thinking, wow. So if the frankincense is extracted slowly and let's just say painfully from the tree, then literally the smell of a church is the smell of trees tears. It's the smell of a tree crying, which is really fascinating to think about. Uh, And yeah, there's something really kind of, I mean, it's morbid, but it's also quite fascinating that the gifts of the Magi were um, funerary ingredients, you know, frankincense is they're embalming implements you know you make the golden mask yeah the frankincense and the myrrh for preservation of the body so at birth he was brought funerary ingredients and there is there's some something strangely morose going on with all of that you know yeah. uh mq didn't get into it in the episode but he actually found frankincense and myrrh and gold all up there in the lumashi for the virgo leo complex like yeah. we Barely scratched the surface. You guys check out his book, the chapter, that chapter alone on the nativity scene. I mean, it's not just like that he found some of this stuff. He literally could write every verse of <laughs> the Bible story word for word out of wordplay that is in that stellar tableau. Those constellations you could see at the same time. It's pretty wild. Every wow. word. Well, and there's something uh, so sacred about frankincense and myrrh together. And if James of Grounded Extracts is still in the chat, he'd probably help me confirm this. But if I remember right, and Ben Balderson talks about this and Chris Bennett, who is a fabulous cannabis researcher, and he always gets my juices going and with all the things he brings. But the whole thing that frankincense and myrrh went together into like the ancient cannabis oils, it actually helps the body assimilate the medicine better and more quickly. So it's going to be more effective with those two resins together. And frankincense and myrrh were always in the sacred cannabis anointing oils. And they always use the anointing oils. Like that was their main method of healing was using oils as the vehicle to get any medicine into the body. And so that's one of the most fascinating things about those two together. And frankincense just gives me such a feeling of comfort. And I've, I've, I'm drawn to it in times of sadness. And so I wonder if that warmth that comes from it is like, there's some sort of just, you know, like a deep healing in the resin itself, but that the warm comfort that comes is just something I think of when there's like a sadness deep in the heart. Um, very emotional i've always just pulled it out for that it's kind of like the notion that you have to have sadness for joy to exist so like this frankincense has a very like uplifting and almost like a joyful feeling comforting feeling but it's coming from the other axis of sadness of the tree metaphorically yeah definitely exactly that's a really great point i know i miss i love I love this, uh, knowing the wound, like the wound produces the medicine, just like a pine tree. Same thing. You know, you'll see somebody like rip the bark off of a pine tree to come back, you know, weeks later 
so that the sap weeps and they can collect it. Um, it's just so beautiful. I just love how everything comes full circle. <laughs> the tree, original mm-hmm. wounded healer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah serious. Uh, I love what you brought up with the funerary stuff. So like, I don't know if that's what you guys got into uh, on Sunday chance, but I, I definitely want to check that out this week. Uh, I'm just spitballing, but I'm wondering if the three gifts of the Magi are somehow proxy symbols for the three philosophical elements, right? Salt, sulfur, mercury. Maybe there's a correspondence there. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. You pretty much is anytime you get into trinities of anything, you're entering that territory symbolically for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a fun one. I'm going to start weaving on that right now. Uh, I I've, I've put them together as a L a W before it's the law, the land, air, and the water land would be the gold air would be frankincense and myrrh would be water. So they were bringing the ingredients of the law and the Promethean fire is the missing element you might have noticed. And that's that kind of makes sense, what, by the way, because the myrrh, the word myrrh in the Semitic languages means bitter. And so Mer- Miriam, the Hebrew word for Mary, is bitter sea. Or the so that, that's what that word means. Yeah, the bitter waters. Wow. Well, I'm really impressed. You, we are on a flow because you didn't see, we were just talking about Bacchus. There's vodka. And we were just talking about mirror. Here's Myrtle, uh, where we're getting these names from. And I, <laughs> and I Bill, in, the Lord, Bale. There we go. I put in Bill Berry. <laughs> so there's Bill, right? And, uh, so yeah, the word vaccinium we get, um, comes from the Latin. Hey, be uh, careful. We can't say that word on YouTube. Okay. The, it comes from the Latin uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Baca, you know, which is where we get Bacchus and stuff like that. It also relates to the cow. Okay. And of course, uh, Myr- Myrtilus, which we can keep weaving on, which is, but um, this is, I'm, I put this in Sagittarius because it is, Sagittarius is a visionary. Um, it's related to sight. It's related to vision. And here we have, look at the signature of the eyes. Ooh, can you deny it? They're right there in nature. Um, it's so cool. And bilberry is a very famous, um, not just the, the berries themselves. We, they're closely related to blueberry, by the way. They're very, very closely related. So you can use blueberry interchangeably here. But not just the berries, but the leaves. In particular, a lot of times the leaves were have been used for, I think it, it, in modern times, they traced it back to World War I uh, fighter pilots in in Britain started drinking um, bilberry tea and they were able to see. There's a component in it. I wrote it down here. Rhodospin, R-H-O-D-O-S-D-O-P, sorry, R-H-O-D-O-P-S-I-N, which is uh, increases the visual purple aspect in your eyes. It helps with... Um, seeing the uh, darkness, the glare at night and stuff like that. Um, and enhancing the, the, the hues of purple that we can see on a visual spectrum. Um, so there's another signature for that. Um, of course, berries of this color and a lot of berries that have bioflavonoids, these high bioflavonoid content are really helpful for our, the movement of the blood. Some old uh, astrologers would uh, ascribe Jupiter is not just for the liver, but like the, the movement of the blood as well. So uh, eat your berries for good circulation. 
Um, I really like bilberry tea in the wintertime for, you know, cold hands, cold feet, good night sight. Um, we have longer nights right now. It helps. Um, I've been recommending this tea a lot to people who have any type of eye problems, whether it's high blood pressure of the eyes, which people call glaucoma or uh, cataracts or um, eye infections, um, even recommended it to hunters who were who were very impressed. And this is the type of plant that I would expect, um, you know, because it's nutritive, especially the berries that you would, you know, you could consume a consume them over and over and over again, and it would build up its power. But I've had reports of people drinking a cup of bilberry tea and having great improvements in their vision. So that kind of correlates back with a World War I fighter pilot just drinking a cup of bilberry tea before he got in the plane and, and, um, and you know, going to town on whoever the enemy was, right? So, um, and then also uh, berries of this kind, great for tempering blood sugar and stuff like that. Um, but I put them in here as this for the site aspect. But of course, we're in the flow, and we see Bacchus, and we see Mer, Mer, we see Myrrh and Myrtle, and all that stuff, and it's so cool. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to try this out. <laughs> so I, I have vision issues, and uh, you just described what I need. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a go, and I'll let you know what happens. It is just so glorious how the doctrine of signatures is direct gnosis without needing any education. Like that looks like an eyeball. I bet it's good for my eyes. It's amazing. And it's it's a beautiful photo you have there. (laughs) Nice one. Yeah. Thanks, Google. Yeah. (laughs) So, But, you know, you Google Billberry and it even says Billberry is good for the eyes. I mean, like even even your uh, status quo people agree on that. That's cool. Uh, do, do, are you uh, using the whole plant, like the leaves and everything, on this? Yeah. Yes, the that's, aerial portion. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really easy to find the the leaf in commerce and um, the the berries too. You could usually find them in bulk, but combining them together in a tea is lovely. It's really really nice. You get a, a, the flav- the flavonoids from the leaf as well. Yeah, beautiful, man. Thank you for the info. Let's see. This is your last slide here. And we have uh, we're going to also take a look at uh, a suggestion that Michelle threw in. And, you know, got to say big props to you, Kyle, because uh, I, I didn't state this on the air, but we kind of planned this at the last minute as in it wasn't planned. And I know that you put in some time thinking about this and preparing it today with, uh, you know, you made room in your schedule to do that. And I appreciate that buddy. And I appreciate yeah. Michelle and Mario for being here on the short notice as well. And Gabriel, you know, I always appreciate you. You're always here. <laughs> here, Thanks, here, man. Kyle. I was very excited to see your slideshow as well. <laughs> and grateful. Well, next time we'll give you, we'll give every, you know, we know that we're going to keep this going. So (laughs) we'll put it on the calendar a lot more in advance. Cool. So Sage, Sagittarius, finally, let's wrap it up with some Sage. I I chose Clary Sage, but we can talk about, we can interchange the garden variety Sage here as well. So just your regular run of the mill Sage that you have and that you cook with will be fine for these purposes, but Clary sage, the, 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 uh, sclerea, there's a, that's the white part of the eye. 
We're talking about clarity. We're talking about vision. We're talking about wisdom. This is embodied in this plant. Oh, the beautiful flower, the, the pillowy, fluffy cloud. Like, um, uh, look how big this plant gets. This is not like your garden variety sage. If you have a garden like that small and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I've planted clary sage, but it's so abundant. It's, and it's like sage in that it's got these little hairs. It's very fluffy. Um, but say this, this particular plant I chose because of its affinity also with the eyes, it's a really great plant for, um, uh, the, the essential oil is often used for clarifying, like a, a clarifying something that you can use to consecrate something, a, 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 a ritual tool or something for the vision that you might have. If you have a vision board, if you're journaling, you can work with the clary sage essential oil. Um, but I really like working with the whole plants. Of course, I'll use an essential oil once in a while, but um, if you find clary sage, if you d decide to grow it, you can use this plant in similar ways that you work with sage. It's not as aromatic as your garden variety sage, um, but you could use it as a smudge. You can um, certainly make a tea or a compress with this if you have eye issues. I think a lot of times people just grow this because I chose the picture on the right because it didn't have the flowers, but you could see the abundance of the leaves. But this is a, this is a garden variety in, a, in many ways because people will grow it because it's just so beautiful. Look how angelic. Look how it, it's like the temperance card ready to take off right there. It's just it's amazing. Awesome. So, yeah, it's gorgeous. I was just yep. going to say, uh, Clary reminds me of Clarity. Yeah, you've been talking about vision and eyesight and everything. And then uh, I know the correspondence you have for the mantra for Sagittarius was I see. Uh, an alternative one is I aim, uh, which I think is really interesting. It's one letter difference from I am, which is what uh, Aries, uh, that correspondence, what that is. Um, and it just, I'm thinking about it right now. And I'm like, okay, obviously vision, eyesight you're using your bow and arrow. So you need good vision for that. Um, and you're aiming at a target as in a target as in Taurus. And then we have centaur, hence uh, bull killer. So I'm wondering actually if the target isn't uh, a literal bull, although it could be, maybe that's the encoding, but it's actually the bull's eye is what's being encoded uh, with centaur as in bull killer. So just spitballing over here. But uh, yeah, this plant is gorgeous, dude. I love it. It's like inviting, but there's also, I don't know, I'm like hesitant to like go right into it or something like that. There's almost kind of like this protective quality to it or something. It's beautiful, though. It almost reminds me of like it's going to it's like it's going to fly trap you put your hand in there. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. That's the salvia aspect. <laughs> it's going to take you down with it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The uh, so yeah, sages in general they they have a, a way of replenishing the oils on the inside of our body. They work again with that dried up in internal um, constitution, especially one that is dried up in our oily aspects, which is our endocrine system, our hormones. So somebody who might feel like uh, one of the signatures would be if you look at the leaf of a sage or a garden variety sage, it's all wrinkly and gray. That would be like if your hands look wrinkly or your face looks wrinkly and gray, the lack of oils in your body. So putting oil on these areas isn't really the solution. It's the oil from the inside out. So working through um, working through those processes in the digestion and being able to assimilate the oils, that's what sage is great for in digestion. And so that's why sage and butter, cooking with sage. Um, and clary sage. I think we, in 
one of the only therapeutic things I've ever used clary sage for was put some clary sage um, to stimulate contractions when my wife was giving birth. But um, I think it would just like the, the midwife recommended putting clary sage in the toilet bowl and kind of like having like a, a you know, diffusion of the, of the aromatics up from the toilet bowl. It's not very, you know, it's um, <laughs> sometimes the, the, the medicine itself is kind of uh, the, like there's the, 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 the altar or what was the word? The cauldron that we were talking about is not actual, the, the beautiful cauldron that we're tempering, but it's actually tempered porcelain instead. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, still counts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it for my stuff. One of my favorite. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gabe. Well, I was just going to ask. Sage can be smoked as well, right? Yes. Yeah. It makes a lovely uh, smoking herb, in my opinion. Just be careful which which genus of salvia you go and smoke. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Good. I think it's salvia divinorum. I think there's that. Yeah, divinorum. Divinorum. There you go. Yeah, that one. uh, You will be taking a dive. (laughs) Yes. Well, and the funny thing about that, because we, I have it. I just grow it indoors because um, it's kind of sensitive. But um, I don't know. It has a square stem. And so I've always wondered what its connection to if it's um, it's I don't know if it's actually a sage or if it's a mint. I mean, mints always have square stems. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's in the mint family. Yeah, that's what I I've always figured because I'm like, oh, it's interesting that it's got the salvia, just like all the sages. Um, But one bit about sage, uh, the culinary sage. Um, I love making sage honey. It's one, it was like one of the first remedies I made because it's so easy. It's very simple. Sage is abundant, but you know, just taking fresh sage and just, you know, putting it, putting honey all over it, you know, and then infusing it. So I'll, I'll do like a big jar of it, like a, like a 32 ounce jar of honey, um, and chop up the sage really good. Let that sit for like four to six weeks. And it's amazing. It's amazing for sore throats, colds, congestion. You know, you have just a cough that's kind of, um, you got a lot of like mucus or whatever. It's wonderful for that. And sage tea is lovely too. Um, But sage tea, you only want to steep it pretty short because it can get really bitter if you let it go. You know, even past like a couple minutes, I've noticed it'll just be like, like a really abrasive, almost like a green tea kind of uh, bitterness to it. But that's a really great beginning remedy for somebody to make if they're just wanting to get started. Herbal honeys are seriously, um, they're just so beautiful. And you can, any herb you can do with honey. It's it's brilliant. Awesome. Yeah, man. We're going to take us over to the slides from Michelle and Mario. We just make them full screen here. And if you guys are down to keep going, I know we got to two hours here, but I don't think we have a ton left on the table. Yeah, let's do it. Let's finish yeah. our plate. <laughs> I mean, this oh. looks like a plate. 
Yeah, it does. And Reishi, I actually talked about this in my first uh, episode because I went over Sagittarius and just the beginning of my um, podcast. But I just wanted to throw this one in there because um, it's just to me a really great example of Jupiter, just looking at how it grows from the tree, looking at the rings of the colors, how it expands out. Um, and it also we were going to Kyle and I kind of talked about this before, but we were going to kind of maybe try and put this in with the liver remedies because it it, it can be helpful for the liver. But um, this is just a great adaptogen. So what that means is it, it's an herb that can kind of like just help your body adapt and balance out. So if you've been under a lot of stress or something like that, um, or if your organs are stressed, adaptogens can kind of come in and just bring balance to that. Can I a pause lot- you for just a moment, Michelle? Sure, of course. Something just popped in my head about the sage, and I wanted to just throw it out there because I never thought about this before. But the salvia uh, name of those plants has the SLV, salve, like salvatore, salvation, uh, same where where we get like the savior, a lot of psychopomp type feel to it. And the usage of sage to clear a space of like negative spirits or like help you know, bad entities move on. That is a very psychopomp Salvatore type of behavior. So I thought that was really interesting. Maybe that's why the name of it is what it is. I wanted to throw that out there. And yeah, Reishi, uh, he just left, but James of family fun guy, he hooked us up with some Reishi uh, tincture that went over really well during a little mild detox session here in the household. Pretty amazing. Dude, awesome. Yeah, reishi is, it is one of my first loves, I'd say. One of my first loves of the forest. Um, and this is, this species is the Gandoderba organansi. So this grows out here on the West Coast. Um, and it's really abundant on the coastal range in, or in Oregon. That's where we've had a lot of success harvesting it. Um, and one of the things about this that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the leaves of the burdock, the cloudiness, like the, like it kind of looks like a fluffy cloud. Even if you get one of these in your hand, it's like, uh, there's this joyful feeling with it that I've always felt. Um, and there's just this puffy kind of like, um, energy from it. And that outer ring there is actually edible and it's not like you would, uh, it's not like a chanterelle or something where you would like be just shaving off all that white stuff and just taking it home and eating it. But it would be more of like, in my opinion, kind of like a survival food because it's nice and soft and you can just like cut it away really nicely. Um, and yeah, I just, I really, I really find this just to be such a healing mushroom and, um, yeah, just wanted to kind of bring it up because of the shape of it and the color and the radiance that I see in, in it. Yeah, Ganoderma means shining skin. Hmm. Yep. Oh, and there's, your, there's your bow pulled back. Tense bow. Oh, yeah. Big time. It's even a recurve. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yep. Uh, does it, um, I'm wondering about the doctrine of signatures in relation to the kidney because of this kidney shape. Is there yeah. a there there? Yeah, it's it's a kidney remedy. It's a liver. You see, all right, the color you get like a liver color towards the center. You get the kidney shape. It's also mm-hmm. a great lung remedy. So a lot of times you'll see them like growing like ears, like pairs, like a like twins. Um, nice. 
So yeah, there's um, so that's why it gets that adaptogenic kind of title because it helps so many systems of the body brings up a lot of energy in the body. Uh, another use that I like for it. Uh, one of the great virtues of this plant should re- restate that is the, is that um, in the Chinese medicine, they talk about this concept called shin, which is S H E N, which is like your, um, your spirit. It lives inside of your heart. And if you get scared, like imagine you're driving and a squirrel, like, you know, it cuts in front of you and you're like, you slam on the brakes and there's somebody behind you and um, close call. But like that kind of stays with you throughout the day. That's your shin. The spirit just like gets scared and it leaves and it goes out away from the body. And so for people who are under prolonged trauma, prolonged stress, prolonged periods like that, <clears throat> where they're under uh, states of fear in a lot of ways, their shin is left and there's a particular type of insomnia that comes with that. And so um, other herbs that are really good at treating insomnia don't won't work for somebody who whose insomnia comes from their uh, their spirit being fled from their heart center. Rishi returns the shin to the heart. So it gathers up all the parts of the shin that have left and it tells and invites it. It's very calming. And, and that's why it's considered a Zen mushroom to a lot of people. Cause when you take it, you just feel like, ah, like my spirit has returned to this, to its center. And I can, and it's not like sedative where it's like, Oh, I've, I've, I've my spirit's returned to the center and ugh, fall asleep. But it's like, Oh, I can, I can gather my pieces so that I can lay down comfortably without fear. So that's why it has a lot of this um, qualities with, um, I, I see that in the signature is like the, the armor almost, right? The shining armor. And it's called the, the emperor's mushroom. But I think a lot of times the emperor, you know, the emperor in China, they lived in these complex systems of fortresses. And there was a fortress inside of a fortress inside of a fortress. And that kind of um, that architecture symbolizes the the um, the medicine at the time. And that was the shin. So at the very center of all of it was the, the ruler of all the systems of the body, the real, the real emperor. And, um, it's the, the emperor, that's why it's the emperor's mushroom because it really cultivates that, that, that abundance in the heart. I love it for that too. That's very cool, dude. Thank you. I feel like there might be a correspondence with some of what you're bringing up. And, uh, there's a Hebrew letter named Shin called Shin and uh, it corresponds with the Aeon or judgment card, Gabe. And so some of what he's bringing up kind of reminds me of that, especially the Crowley version of what that kind of looks like or whatever. Um, but I just wanted to mention too, one of the coolest things about this mushroom, and I don't know how many mushrooms are like this, but, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right. It, only grows exclusively on like fallen dead trees. And so it's cool to go foraging for these uh, because every single time you'll notice that if it's coming out from a tree, you just look upward and you'll notice that the tree is dead <laughs> and it's not like a currently growing a live tree, but it had recently just uh, died. And so fallen trees and things like that, that's where you're going to find these. And so just from a symbolic sort of level that I find that very, very interesting that that's what they're attracted to and that's what they need to actually grow and everything. Well, and I like that correspondence too, because this is, it's kind of like known as like a vitality tonic, like bringing the vital life force back, just like you were saying with the shin, if you're just, Oh, you're defeated, you're tired, you're not feeling like you're confident. It's, it's really great uh, for that. And that's one of the things I like to use it for. Um, 
as well. And this guy, Mario, is like a world-class reishi hunter, I swear. <laughs> when oh, we bad. found out, he just, he's like, uh, he just has a nose for him. And he just like came back and he was going through all the whole forest and he just comes back with all these races like oh my goodness and he just like has a nose for him so it's really cool he has a that connection cool. with that <laughs> yeah that's way cool and way i correspond with the emperor card <laughs> there you go <laughs> interesting <laughs> how uh, ray can mean beautiful and it can also like it it means that in japanese and chinese like Reiki, beautiful chi <laughs> your beautiful life force energy is reiki but ray she um Ray also means, R-E-I, a ghost or departed spirit, wandering soul, you know, hungry ghost type idea. And she is 10, the Chinese word for 10. So she being 10, I wonder if that's trying to like maybe give us the idea of like bringing a a wandering soul or a, a lost soul back to wholeness, back to the 10, the, you know, fullness of having all your digits and all your ducks in a row again. Yeah. Okay. Wow. What a fascinating handoff. Uh, Okay. So I've got the, uh, the Aeon card in my hand here and you can see how much it looks like this specimen in particular, you know, it's got the, you know, the kidney shape, the, uh, you know, it's got newt here, uh, which is also, uh, a horseshoe. It's also the node. Again, the lunar standstill node is located in Ariga, where uh, uh, oriented to the bull, to Taurus. So you got, you know, you got the Aeon card is nestled inside of the Hierophant card. So like the Hierophant has this blue little character in his lap. Well, I like to think of this as like a close up of that blue character in his lap, so to say. And I love that we're talking, and this is card number 1010. So this is re chi. This is ten twice. It's re ten. It's uh, and this is the aeon card. But I love that we're talking about re chi, re chi in relation to the aeon card because of the uh, like what uh, 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 decoded said in the Cody in the in the chat about this is the queen. You know, this is the silver queen of the mushroom kingdom. And that's so appropriate for the Aeon card, like really crazy, wildly appropriate. Um, And also, oh, there's so much. Gosh, I almost want to go back and listen to our whole last 10 minutes because there's so much of what we just said is embodied in this card. Like even this little red dot, you know, that little red dot uh, is kind of intrinsic to a lot of what we just talked about. But yeah, I love that we got to this. That's awesome. And this is supposed to be the card we're going to uh, decode for Juan, right? Next. Yeah, man, this is yeah, where we're aiming. Appropriate. This is our target right here. Oh, yeah, we have a couple more slides on Reishi. Let me just throw on one, one more thing. Here's This is the my local variety. It's called Ganoderma eplanatum. Uh, the, and the, the way that the Reishi spores is that it, it spores like this out. It creates a torus. So we got encoded the Taurus toroid field. Wow. So it's, it's, there's like a magnetic, some sort of magnetic layer. So that's how you could tell when it's time, the proper time to harvest it is that you'll see all the spores or one of the the best times to harvest is you'll see all the spores on the top. 
of certain varieties and it'll look dusty and you'll say, what the heck? Um, it's because it's spored out and it came back. So there's that toroid at the heart again. Um, oh my gosh. That definitely indicates some strong chi for sure. Right. <laughs> and it's like the temperance card again, where she has the two cups and some people believe that the bottom cup is pouring upward into the upside down cup, that the flow of the water is unnatural. So that's very much like what you're describing with the spores coming down and then somehow defying gravity and being drawn up to a higher, a higher elevation. That's beautiful. Even kind of symbolic of 10, because when you get to 10, you start again. You know, it's coming back to the starting point. Nice. We. Yeah, beautiful. Um, And yeah, we don't have to go through all the all of the slides either. We can just kind of even we've had like a killer weave with Reishi. But yeah, just, you know, (laughs) yes, we have, you know, so it's just such a beautiful, uh, beautiful mushroom. There's 16 different varieties just in the U.S. So there's, you know, there's like a whole abundance of them. Um, And I always just think of mushrooms in general as like the DNA of the forest. And a lot of times, you know, DNA or mushrooms can help actually to protect and repair our own DNA. So there's this kind of connection to life in general. And so I love that connection with the toroid, toroidal field that's created with the spores because it just is so symbolic of life and the consistent creation that is going on here and the the return, the birth, the death that is just constantly happening. And so, yeah, it's it's a thing of beauty. So this is such a great weave. It has been. I'm so glad that you guys came on and shared your wisdom. I, I feel like I, I seriously am considering after we've done all 12 signs, how we'll have a playlist to for the rest of our lives that we can just return to, to like, okay, what might I want to get in to my system this Gemini season or this Leo season? Really awesome. Totally crushing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks everyone who's been hanging out the whole time yeah, too. Totally. We can move our, move our way towards the wrap up, but before we do, I am going to take a moment and uh, show off a couple things in the new merch store. And then we can give our closing thoughts on all the stuff, but I wanted to make sure a lot of us saw a lot of us saw the things that I'm going to show you. <laughs> so, um, interversemerch.com is where you can get some of my art put onto clothing Here's one that I just finished up yesterday designing. So you got the uh, the logo on the front, all lightninged out. And then the back is pretty intense. <laughs> nice. Winter. Winter status. Yeah, I think that this will, you know, you have plenty of cold season left to get it. And you can't really see the hood in the promo picture, but the hood is like a dark, darker blue black with... Uh, you know, the like highlighted lightning in a more subtle way. So the hood is like low key Jedi as well. <laughs> I just wanted to show you guys that we got some of the classic logo on t-shirts, uh phone case, uh bucket hat. <laughs> I've shown off a lot of these, but may, I don't know what I have and haven't shown on the, uh, the stream yet. You know, cool backpack you could get. Uh, there's a lot of options and I've, I've gotten a few of these things you know, into my own hands. I can't say that I have product tested all of them, but uh, when they arrive, I will. (laughs) I will say though, the puzzle right here, I did get the puzzle and I did the puzzle and it was extremely fun. Me and Jenny did this puzzle and we 
had a blast. We actually did it in one sitting over like two or three hours because we couldn't tear ourselves away. So, you know, <laughs> go check out the merch store. There's a lot there and I'll be continuing to add to it. And I'll show you guys new stuff when I add new stuff to it. But, uh, you know, maybe too late to get some of these things in time for Christmas, but not too late for a Christmas present for yourself. And you can get 15% off uh, currently with Interverse as a code, but it should tell you that when you're on the site. So thank you for humoring me while I show my merch store. Yeah, and buddy. Congratulations. That's freaking cool. <laughs> a 500-piece puzzle, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to add more puzzles too, but that's currently the only one. Uh, but there will be more puzzles. And I, have, I just have a ton of art to put onto clothing and puzzles and mugs and all the stuff. So hats, everything. <laughs> I might have to get that puzzle for my grandma because I know she'll never do psychedelics. But <laughs> if I get her to get into that puzzle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, you know, just get her the coffee mug with the same artwork on it. If, if she's not into puzzles, my grandma though loved puzzles and I inherited an, like a solid 20 puzzles from her that are in my closet. And, uh, you know, love you, grandma. Thank you for the, inheritance it's a really nice present she was really into puzzles but yeah guys we can give our closing thoughts now let's go around the horn gabriel you want to start and uh, plug, yeah, my, give your plugs for your channels and, and your stuff nice. while you give your closing thoughts or afterwards pretty please yeah. yeah yeah um slick dissident on youtube uh and also on the weaving spiders webs uh and i got some fun stuff coming out on uh the one-on-one -on -one podcast uh, so yeah, keep an eye out over there for probably the next month or so. There's probably a couple things about to pop out. Uh, but, uh, for closing thoughts, I wanted to share, Kyle, do you mind if I share our little back and forth, some of that from the, you know, kind of carrying over it's the gravy. conversation? It's gravy. Oh my gosh, guys, this is so exciting. This was so exciting. So, uh, Kyle reached out to me after the last show and shared with me some of his, uh, extensive insight on the curse of Tecumseh, the Tecumseh's curse, as it's called, and some of the nuance and detail of the myth and uh, this Indiana legend of the Battle of Tippecanoe, which is the namesake of your company, you know, uh, took place here in Indiana, very close to my father's house a month ago, a little longer, uh, over Halloween. I was out there in that part of the of the country and really uh, uh, meditating on Tecumseh's curse. And the fact that I had just discovered in my research that uh, Joe Biden is lined up for the Tecumseh's curse to, to hit again, uh, which is just a, a whole episode in itself. But uh, Kyle sent me these pictures of the actual uh, shaman who uh, cast the curse and uh, help me out, Kyle, is it a uh, Tenskwatawa? That's right. Tenskwatawa is actually the name of the, um, the shaman, the priest who cast this curse on the bloodline of the presidents. It's called the zero year curse or the 20 year curse. Everybody should go and just look into it. It's really fascinating just on a surface level, but Kyle's got like some of the down low nitty gritty details on it. He's got like a map of the fort where the battle took place. Um, and the map of the fort, uh, just has an ever so slightly, uh, cornerstone trapezoidal shape to it. And it blew me away because 
going by the north and south orientation of a map, this keystone shape of the fort fits into Indiana, which is in Cancer in my territories. And so it kind of blew my mind that the shape of the fort is uh, oriented to fit into the keystone of Cancer up here in Indiana. But then just on the first conversation Kyle and I had, he sent me this picture of Tenskwatawa. And Tenskwatawa has one eye missing because of an, a bow and arrow, an archery accident, right, Kyle? Yeah, which yeah. is which sounds really far out. Like, how do you shoot your own eye out in a with a bow and arrow? But it, it it's complicated, but it's possible. <laughs> it's so uh, Kyle's got a picture of him. And he's got, you know, his one eye is missing. He's wearing a uh, the shaman, shamanic mantle, like this uh, metal armored plate around his neck, you know, that's probably his uh, his rank. His, uh, and he has uh, these feathers, you know, on his headdress, but they look weathered. They're weathered feathers. And uh, they're large. They're pronounced. And just at a glance, I was like, Kyle, do you think these are turkey feathers? You know, they look really large um, and kind of faded and tattered. And we're thinking that they might be turkey feathers. And so right away I said, this is nuts, but I'm researching this Greek mythology about uh, Tiresias. Uh, T-I-R-A-S-E-U-S. Tiresias. That's the guy who saw snakes having sex and got turned into a chick. And then you gave the gift of prophecy. You got it. You got it. He was uh, converted into a woman for like seven years, got married, had a baby. Then he comes across the path with the two snakes again. And this time, they, the story varies, but they say this time he uh, spares the snakes or does not kill them. And because of that, he becomes back to, he comes back to a man. Uh, he becomes a man again. And then Hera and Zeus are having an argument over who enjoys sex more, men or women. And Zeus thinks that women enjoy it more. Hera thinks that men enjoy it more, which is actually encapsulated in a Woody Allen skit or a scene from his movie where the, the shrink asks the man, you know, how often do you guys have sex? And he's like, hardly ever, like three times a week. And then the next scene, he's asking the woman, how often do you guys have sex? And she's like, all the fucking time, like three times a week. <laughs> so so that little comedy skit is actually much older. And it goes back to, you know, this debate between Hera and Zeus. So they get Tiresias to be the judge because he's actually been a woman and a man. And Tiresias uh, betrays Hera or, you know, sells her out and says, yeah, women like it way more than dudes. And Hera's pissed because she lost the bet. So she strikes him blind, but he gets, <laughs> but he gets a blessing from Zeus, like a uh, compensatory blessing to, uh, with the ability of farsight or prophecy. And so he's blind, but he can see in ways others cannot, you know, uh, it's, re it's a fascinating story. But what gets me about the story is that Hera iconically is indicated by uh, peacock feathers and she's always messing with people's eyesight. I, I think she has a lot to do with, um, with eclipse magics uh, where if you look at the eclipse, you will be rendered blind, you know, um, but you might also have the ability to see in ways that others do not. 
maybe Mario could tell us about that <laughs> with firsthand experience with eclipses, right? It's so fascinating that we are here in this little group. Mario has actually had the kiss of Hera on his eye with his with his personal experience. Kyle is sitting on a treasure trove of like the actual imagery of this character, you know, this tent squadawa. And so I send Kyle a picture of uh, Hera on her throne with the peacock feathers. And I'm like, do you think the turkey feathers and the peacock feathers are close enough for us to get a correspondence here? And he's like, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, we're like, we're totally feeling this possibility that the Greek myth of Tiresias relates to this tent Squadawa. And then it's almost uh, maybe a week or a few days later, uh, Chance, can you dig in the vibrant call-in line? I sent a bunch of graphics to you. Okay, uh, yeah. Let me get in there. I and just got to say, Tiresias is T-I-R-E, like the Phoenician capital city, Sir. It's pronounced Sir, but it looks like Tyre. And so I wonder if Tiresias is like, refer the, the mythology is referring to the Phoenician uh, Magi and maybe yes. their proclivity to like be transvestites, <laughs> you know, that the Very seers cool. were also like really into wearing women's clothing and, you know, maybe even temporarily pretending to be a woman or auto, uh, auto castration, all that thing. So do you want, and also tur as in Turkey, tur, sir, T-I-R-T-U-R. So you want the one with the, um, this is the one that you want, right? I'm guessing, right? Yeah, that's a good one. This is a perfect one. So good call on Turkey, by the way, Chance, because I just heard a weave this week about Turkey is the peacock. Uh, it is the, you know, the tur- the peacock is the turkey of the Middle East, basically. That yeah, they are it is. Powerfully correspondent. Yeah. So that means Turkey, the country, and Hera are correspondent. It's like Turkey is wearing her symbol uh, in the name Turkey. But so this blew me away, man. Kyle, after we had that conversation, and I'm just guessing, you know, I'm just spitballing that the peacock should relate to this guy, Tent Squadawa, somehow. That this Greek myth relates to this uh, story from 1811. And then I look on my, uh, on my constellation globe, and I find Pavo is the peacock constellation. And look what is not just next to, but like infused with, on top of is this constellation, the only Native American fella in the heavens, and his name is Indus. And we know that Indus relates to indigo, the purple, the tire, the Phoenician purple. And like you said, Chance, Racius is like his head. It's his headdress. He's got a purple headdress. Uh, so it blows my mind that his name is Indus, relates to the purple of indigo, the Tiresias is like a purple headdress, priest class, transvestite guy. And here we have a Native American in the sky, uh, in the southern hemisphere, right next to the Pavo uh, turkey slash peacock constellation. And this gets really trippy because he's, uh, he's standing next to that uh, Ars Alta, which is the burning furnace, the, you know, the... Uh, the Magi's ingredient container, the cauldron. That's what I'm thinking of. He's standing right next to the cauldron and his, uh, sometimes his foot is literally on top of uh, Hydra, uh, the headless, the, one of the snakes that its head is cut off. 
But can you, uh, oh, but then he's got the one eye, which is the pole star, the Sigma, Sigma Octantis, right, Mario? He's got one <laughs> eye. He's got the, the pavo, the peacock feathers. He's, uh, oh, and his name is the prophet. That's another thing I forgot. His nickname was the prophet. Like Tiresias. Wow. Wait, Gabriel, check this out. Etymology of Turkey. The Turkish name for Turkey is Hindi, literally Indian. What the fuck, (laughs) What the fuck did we just find? I don't know. (laughs) Dude, that's awesome. There's going to be more here. There's so much going on. So, So I haven't told you this part, Kyle. Like, I know I sent that to you. A, a while back but uh just recently and this is going to bring it the peacock back to the uh um to the temperance to the art uh to the art card and the green on the blues the greens on the blues uh because temperance is down there in the sag and 180 degrees across is gemini uh chance can you pull up the one with um either one of the ones with uh carl Jung's ring I've been researching Carl Jung. He has a, a very f- well-known ring uh, that has a serpent on the ring. And, of course, everybody's thinking Yaldabaoth, you know. We're thinking about the Hydra combined with Leo gives you a snake-headed lion, Yaldabaoth character. So on the left is the ring, and on the right, that is the world card, which I place my world card with Gemini. 180 degrees from the uh, art, from the uh, temperance, Sagittarius. And look at the color scheme of the world card. It is, to me, powerfully correspondent to the peacock. Don't you guys think? Yeah. Wow. That's fine. Yeah, I can see that. I, I love this meme, by the way, that you put together uh, with the snake and then obviously the golden woman with the serpent here. Uh, very, very similar. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, uh, I needed that confirmation because I want to take this to another level that is really far out and really fun. But I think, uh, so if this woman in, is Indus, let's just think that this could be Indus the, uh, and the peak Pavo constellation because her foot is on the head of the snake like Indus is sometimes depicted. Well, that means that this strange cylinder, can you zoom in on the cylinder at the bottom of the world of the universe card there? Uh, in some tarot decks, this is the world card. In the Thouth deck, it's the universe card. This strange cylinder shape. Uh, and by the way, I want to put, point this out. A lot of things that I bring forward, I've read the book. I know what Crowley's trying to tell the public about this card, and it's not what I'm seeing. And so I just want to put that forward. Like a lot of people will be like, well, just go to the book. What does the book tell you? I find the book to be a huge mislead, like 80% mislead. Uh, And you got to really read in between the lines to get the real juju out of this stuff. But I'm thinking the cylinder right here, guys, is microscopium. I think because on the, you know, on on your standard, whatever, uh, astrological map, Telescopium is right next to this Indus character. And that absolutely blows my mind in a lot of ways. It's also the drill uh, in this uh, back in the Civil War. It was called the drill or the auger. And in Egypt, it was called the augurer, the reader of the augury. 
And so this constellation right here that this cylinder is representing is incredibly significant and important because we're talking about the power of prophecy, the, the ability to be a seer, a far seer, far sight. And um, it's just quite compelling to me. In the, um, the abbreviation for microscopium is MIC. So the military industrial complex, MIC, K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, the MIC, they run drills before events. And we know that an auger is a drill. And an auger sees events before they happen. And an auger sees events before they happen by reading the, uh, the entrails of serpents or the entrails of animals. Uh, the Etruscans specifically were big fans of reading the entrails of a snake. And the Hydra constellation is missing a head. So all of the ingredients of the readers of the auguries are embodied uh, here in the, you know, right next to Sig Sigma Octantis in the uh, uh, southern hemisphere of the war of the of the constellations. So I just thought right. I'd bring all that to bear because it's really been a wild ride, Kyle. I'm so glad you brought the Tippet Canoe story. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you said Gabriel, like, just any little innocuous thing, and amazing. he's going to find, like, the secrets of the universe out of it. Oh, there. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He's that guy. Uh, so also, if you're talking about drills, there's a whole history of the world axis acting as something of a drill, and that a serpent is wrapped around the world axis, a world tree, or the world mountain, and is turned churned sometimes by demigods to create uh you know the nectar of immortality but essentially it's symbolic of the turning of heaven basically around that axis point right uh but there was like a million other things you said in there dude and you just kept on going and i'm like cataloging everything i want to say and now i can't even remember it all it was uh, a lot that was great yeah, stuff so dude. much i like that we'll have to talk about that more sometime for sure it yes, took us on a wild ride yeah man yeah. <laughs> thanks for that yeah, Ella, you know, uh, some closing thoughts there. Maybe to summarize it, I'm—I I mean, I, this is just a mystery. It's just a mystery, further more mystery. But I'm wondering, what if the um, the story of the curse on the presidents is is older than the event in Tippecanoe? And what if the Tippecanoe, the shaman from Tippecanoe, was just bringing it forward and republicizing what was already? you know, karmically inevitable from the uh, westward expansion. Just thought I'd throw that on the on the table. And uh, I just have to throw in there, you mentioned my eyesight with the eclipse and everything else. Uh, so I've made artwork for like all of the signs and I've honored that situation with my Sagittarius print. So literally in my Sagittarius print, I have an eclipse. There's a mountain right in front of it. It's making like a symbolic keyhole, uh, which reminds me of the key of Chiron, which really uh, kind of integrating or understanding your traumas, doing the shadow work is a key to healing. And so I think that's one of the things kind of going on here with Chiron being the wounded healer. So that was my Chironic sort of moment, I guess, was that whole entire situation. So very much I related to Sagittarius like through and through. So it's kind of trippy that you even bring it up. Wow, Are we man. also recognizing that across the way from Sagittarius, which is Gemini, the Sumerians represented the twins as twin mountains. So like in your Sagittarius, there's a mountain that you see in the distance. Were you aware of that? I wasn't aware of that. No, that's no, really that's also where you get the, the idea of like when the Argonauts were on their journey, the clashing rocks 
that that shear off the prow of the ship. That's Gemini, the Twin Mountains, Whoa. just in the form of the Twin oh, Mountains. Oh, oh, dude, we could talk for a lot longer, but that is fascinating, man. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have things to look into uh, <laughs> okay. after the, the stream ends. But uh, so your your uh, your Sagittarius artwork with the mountains in the distance and the keyhole between them—that's like literally Sagittarius looking across the galaxy and seeing uh, Gemini, the exactly. Twin Mountains. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's freaking rad. Uh, one last thing I just want to say about uh, Sagittarius and Gemini and their correspondence, which is really intriguing for a lot of different reasons. Um, some people have theorized that the bow and arrow were designed after people uh, got rubbing sticks and were rubbing them together, right, to create fire. And uh, sometimes you use a string on that stick and so you actually have the string and then uh, another stick that's kind of wrapped around or is inside of the string that's wrapped around it. And so you have the stick and then you're moving the other stick. That's kind of like a bow with a string to create the fire, right? To create that friction. Is that what you have right there? Of course. Nice. <laughs> yep. I think I can string it up in the next five minutes. I'll try to oh, hurry. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Carry on. No. So some people, some historians have thought that from a fire stick with the string uh, that moves that one stick to create the friction, to create fire, that that's actually where we get the bow and arrow from. And I think this is fascinating because some cultures in the night sky, they didn't see twins uh, for the Gemini constellation. They actually saw fire sticks. So I just think that's really, really mind blowing that uh, I think that's a Mayan thing. Fire sticks for Gemini and then uh, across from it, the Sagittarius Archer kind of thing. That's badass. That's super badass. Remember how I told you, uh, Gabriel, that um, on Tecumseh's journey to part of the legend was uh, he would give some of the tribal elders a pack of sticks of uh to burn and when it got to uh the the red one that's when the the signs in the sky would be apparent and they were supposed to burn this last stick and so there was a a, a part of the the legend of Tippecanoe is has to do with these uh sticks burning sticks and a prophecy of what what you would see a comet in the sky uh when you burned the, the last one so he would calculate how many sticks until that day for for the elders in order to uh, get their approval to join forces for the for the Indian Confederation. So that's wow. Cool. Yeah, that is amazing. That's very, very interesting. For sure. Um, you know, the fire stick thing makes a lot of sense, too, for Gemini. Uh, there's a whole symbolic thread with whenever two things come together, there's a spark between them or there's a friction between them. So the fire stick analogy, I, I think, continues to make sense. But of course, Slick is just going to bust this out right now and show us how it's done. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. So this instrument is called the Birambao. A lot of people have seen this in the Capoeira breakdance, Afro-Brazilian ritualistic dance fighting. Uh, but once upon a time, I actually read somebody's whole dissertation on the on the uh, question of which came first, music or the bow and the arrow. And they were specifically talking about this instrument here. So we've got the resonating chamber tied to what is essentially, let's see, I should maybe back up here. I'm going to back up so I can 
be seen. All right. There we go. So yeah, you can see the gourd. I've got a little basket that I weaved. I've got a nice little magic stick from Brazil. And I've got my sex token. Good for all night. <laughs> and it sounds a little something like this. Pretty simple. I love it. Hell yeah, dude. But you could definitely start a fire. That was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a party. <laughs> nice. Wow. What, what a fun week. Uh, slick dissident sex tokens. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that on the Interverse merch store? <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, if he'll if he'll let me have the license to it, I'll put it up. <laughs> nice. You need wow. Gabriel. You need your own merch store where you just like take your text and image combination memes and just put them like you know the full schizophrenic spread onto yeah. your shirt, like the totally, <laughs> can, totally <laughs> in your style. Like I think people would want it. Yeah, I say schizophrenic I, lovingly, by the way. I mean, oh, we were yeah. talking about this privately, but schizophrenia and psychopathy. Owen Benjamin was talking about how, like, they have a secret war going on. It's fascinating. Big I think time, we're on team schizo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, but we but we know how to swim. How's yeah, that? Exactly. How's that? How's it yeah. go? The, the schizophrenic uh, drowns in the waters that the mystic is swimming in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Tessarion says the the psychopath and the sage are are basically indistinguishable. They operate from the same principles but with opposite intentions. Which is interesting. Oh yeah, let's wrap it up, guys. I'm sorry that cool. <laughs> we're having fun, but I feel like it's a good time. We gotta give Flow State time to shine too after us over at the Weaving Spiders channel. So Gabriel, your uh, your closing thoughts are all used up. <laughs> yep, I'm done. That's it. Like dissident on YouTube, everybody go follow him there for more. You will never run out of uh, mental droppings from Gabriel. His cup is runneth over at all times. We love it. So good. All right, and um, Mario and Michelle. Yes. Well, thank you, fellas. I really appreciate being here. I always love your enthusiasm, Gabe. I just love seeing you get so excited and sharing and everything else and making these There's nobody so. like it. There's no. nobody with that level of like authentic, enthusiastic witness. It's so good. Why do you think I, I want him here every week? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. So closing thoughts. I'm just grateful that we're doing this. I'm really excited and looking forward to continuing on each month. And bringing the herbal knowledge with the signs, I think it's a really great idea. I think we'll be able to share knowledge and help a lot of people with it. Um, in terms of my stuff, uh, michelleshealinghome.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. comes out every month on the full moon. Um, then I have the Healing Home Podcast, which is on YouTube every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going live. So next week will be Kyle and I, and we're going to talk about the solstice. And we're also going to be talking about some uh, sun herbs 
because the solstice will, the winter solstice, we're going to be welcoming the sun back. Um, so we'll be doing that. And then the following week on the 27th, we'll be our brother Chance here and we'll talk about his sound healing practice and whatever else wants to come through. Um, and yeah, if you'd want to contact me, just send me an email, Michelle's Healing Home at gmail.com or you can contact me through the website. Uh, yeah. And so I'm just grateful to be here, honored to uh, be in the presence of all y'all. So thank you. Nice. And uh, you can find me at SymbolicStudies.com. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, things like that. A few things in the works. Uh, would rather not talk about it, not trying to be coy or anything like that, but uh, very excited with what I have going on. Reading a lot, learning a lot right now. So that's always a good time. Uh, but this was fun. So thanks for having me. And Kyle, dude, it's always a pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, I enjoy your insights and knowledge and, and everything else. So I'm looking forward to your guys' chat too coming up. Thanks, Mario. The feeling is mutual. I love being hanging out with y'all, uh, my all my friends. Uh, it feels so great to be the type of herbalist that I want to be, which is very nerdy and just talk about the, the strange things about nature. I feel like there's not a lot of room for that in the dogmatic practice of of anything right now and including an art so lovely as herbalism. So it's very refreshing that you uh, chance give us space and that your the people that are listening come here for this type of thing, because this is, this is our authentic stuff. This is what I really want to share. This is the type of love that I have for nature, which is really look, you know, uh, the looking into the the entrails of the snake, you know, of all this, all the symbolism of that, how that can be. Um, that's, that's really cool. One last Sagittarius thing I thought of that's just hanging Chad, the sagittal plane of the body is the horizontal plane. So that, that first card, the art card, we had the gym and the, 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 there's the Gemini correspondence there with the, the sagittal plane and this side and that side. Um, and then bridging those together. That was one last Sagittarius. I thing. love that. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And um, much love to all my Sagittarian uh, peeps out there. I love, love Sagittariuses. Let's go on an adventure. I'm about to go on one myself. I'm going to go to Italy for a month. Oh really yeah. Excited. Great time wow. to do it. I'm really excited. I've been working very, very hard. And um, my wife is from Italy. So we're going to go back home basically. We'll tell um, Serena happy birthday whenever it is this month. Thanks. Yeah, it was the tw it was the 23rd of November. So thank you. I, I will. Okay, um, so I'm excited because last that'll give me a chance to um, to really refocus my uh, myself and my work for the coming year, which is um, something that I'm that's really important to me. I have a herb program and herb school, and I've done online uh, programs before. And I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it. I need to really uh, recalibrate how that's going to do, uh, how I'm going to go about that it's because um, it's really easy for me to share information as I'm standing in front of plants and transmuting with a group of people. But uh, so for all of you uh, who are out there who are thinking about um, studying herbs more, I would love to teach you. I'm going to be able to create a class for that, that I, that feels good for me as well. And I feel I can honor um, the lessons and honor the plants and, and really present that for you. Um, and in the meantime, you could find my other work. I work full time as a medicine maker and a clinical herbalist as well. You can find me at Tippy Canoe Herbs. 
Um, thank you, Chance. Oh, by the way, I have a special discount code that I share for my favorite people, and I'm going to share it with your audience here too. It's for 22% off through the end of the year. Really big deal for me. So that is thank you you 22 put that in thank you 22 all caps um the 22 is regular cap i guess (laughs) and um and then the uh speaking of caps we'll be back for caps capricorn and i'm really looking forward to that and uh what an awesome flow state tonight you guys this was fantastic really really cool um so thank you so much. This is a great group, great panel. Thank you so much, Chance. God bless you all. Yeah, Kyle. Oh, man, you guys make me feel so good. And I got to say thank you for this generous super chat and your European money, Rachel. <laughs> appreciate that also. Very much appreciate all the super chatters. Marty, Logan, uh, Andrea, thank you so much. And we'll be back with Cap. Uh, you guys really fill my heart with warmth. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like all the time I'm just like, how did I get so, how did I get this job? (laughs) Like the most incredible people come into my space and teach me the things and I get to just sort of like drive the plane and, you know, expand together. So I'm so grateful. This is, this is life. It's so great. (laughs) And I love learning with you all. Can't wait for the next one. And we'll see you guys for Vibrant on Wednesday with Family Fungi, the whole family. And let's see, Sunday night, we're going to be getting into, uh, I'm going to be premiering, it's not live, but an episode with the Biggleson brothers talking about holographic blood. The images in your blood that show you what your body is most currently concerned with. It and is the crowd goes wild. Oh yes. my God. I am so excited for this. Whoa. That's so cool. It's already, I've already got it recorded. It was a really great conversation. So watch out for that Sunday night. We'll be premiering it and um, we'll see you all later. Thanks for being here. I'm going to land the plane as Owen says, nighty night. Good so, night. Thank you. you.